Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. All kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 59, Fast and Furious 6, Lab 5. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Tu, and this episode is brought to you by U.S. Aviation Academy. U.S. Aviation's mission is to provide world-class professional flight training, aviation services, and support to global customers. They're a privately held Texas corporation that strives to be the undisputed leader in elite aviation development and premier aviation services. USAviationAcademy.com. Very cool. Now, what do they what do they send us this time, Joe? A plane. Oh. It just says Roman bitches on the tail. Just kidding. Just kidding. We got vouchers to go to flight school, you dumb. Well, I mean, I've already taken uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator or whatever for That's what it actually years. is. So the, like, because U.S. Aviation Academy is a .com, not a .edu, it's just one copy of Flight Simulator that we have to share. From what I understand, that game is apparently like a pretty decent like training tool for flying i think you watch snakes on a plane too i did not know but i you did it oh one of the main i mean i'm not spoiling anything because if you haven't seen snakes on a plane yet you're not or whatever i'm just not going to yeah you're right exactly unless we ever do our samuel l jackson podcast which is like 300 episodes (laughs) yeah god oh we're gonna do the commercials too like all the boy what's in your wallet capital one one yeah so in snakes on a plane the pilot goes down and he's like i'm really good at flight simulator and then like the plane or whatever i mean no but it actually is from what i've heard too it is really good and people use it to train on and did you ever see like the big flight school like simulators that you go in and it's like a robot machine thing though have you ever seen those like the actual ones that they use for pilots you're in a small cockpit right like it looks like a cockpit and then there's just like a big screen and it's essentially like you're playing fight flight simulator with just like a million buttons you're like in like a fake mech and it like moves oh up i think and down. i mean that's the kind of thing that Nicolas Cage uses in the 1990 film Firebirds. Uh, he's in one of those kind of machines where he's just like in sort of like a little like pod, almost like yes. a circular pod or whatever. Yeah, that would be cool. I would actually like to do that. I would like to train to be a pilot, but then at the same time, like my fault. Well, now you can, thanks to U.S. Aviation Academy. <laughs> yeah, but like in a real plane. Hey, you never know. So before Kara joins us later for Fast and Furious 6, Lap 5, uh, an episode that I am very excited to speak to her about because this is, or a movie I'm very excited to speak to her about because this is the you know, pivotal one, of the, one. The great ones, right? Yeah. Before we get there, we've got our normal top of the show festivities, extracurricular activities. Joe, what have you been up to since we last recorded? There's some, something big. Joey, happened. what have you been up to? This past Saturday, you and I both went to past and future guest on the show, Brian Rodriguez of High School Summer Party. He got married. Family. At what is probably I've got to say Go the nicest the nicest wedding I've ever been to <laughs> the nicest wedding I've ever been to hands down and probably Gorgeous. will ever go to yeah Holy it was shit. beautiful. We were talking about all night. The venue was gorgeous. The ceremony. You pull up, there's a valet. I, I think Brian sometimes listens to this. I don't want to blow too much smoke up his ass, but like, there's a valet out front. It there's was like gorgeous. this grand hall entry with like two old dudes playing instruments. Yes. The bathroom smells immaculate. Yeah. There's this beautiful, like, cordoned off area for the wedding. There was drinks beforehand. There was like a champagne bar, like, before the mm-hmm. ceremony started. We go in, we're in this, like, Nice ceremony hall, beautifully decorated, super classy. They do a ceremony, which we ha- we have to say it. Oh, sure. Kyle Reinfried, Mr. Foodie Films himself. Past guest. Was uh, doing a reading, which was actually perfectly. Their ceremony had like 
many different genres of reading and styles of readings, which was really cool. One of the things was some uh, Bourdain quotes they had. Yes. The readings of the ceremony were were like an evolution through their relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And they were just like, there was like a Par- Pablo Narita poem. There was like an actual like... There was a scripture from, scripture I think, 1 Corinthians or something. Yeah. There was, I want to say Nicole's mom or stepmom read from like a diary of hers. It was eclectic. But it fit really well. I was like, wow, this is such a cool idea. I really like this. It was something that I would have never thought of, right? Like the, most of the weddings that I've gone to have been like Catholic church style yes. weddings or like very even free form friend weddings that are like free for all, like not even like scripture or anything like that. It's like a lot of like talking, like this is how they met type things. But like, I like the structure of the readings, but they were different. It was really cool. But when the reason you bring this up is because when Kyle yes. was getting introduced to read his quotes, the officiant said, you can find our next speaker on his podcast, Foodie Films, and I just start, I lose my mind. Yeah, we're and laughing. And I start clapping, we're and we're I start laughing. Yeah. Everyone laughs, but like, I'm just like, this is perfect. There's like this, this twisted kind of backstory that I don't think we've ever fully explained, but when Chris Podcasts, who was on Tokyo Drift a couple episodes, or a couple laps ago, uh, when he, on his podcast, now and again, kind of added a bumper to the beginning and the end about like, this is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network, blah, blah, blah. He did cageclub.me, cageclub.me. And so when Kyle and Brian started PS I Love Hoffman, I was like, you guys can do whatever you want to do, but just like kind of have some kind of identifier there. Yeah. And they latched onto this thing, I think kind of making fun of it, but they're just like, <laughs> all right, we'll do it, whatever. Yeah. But I don't know if they ever knew that it wasn't my idea. Like it was just Chris's <laughs> thing that Chris just did it. You and like, I really liked an it. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. So now there's like this very big, every episode of Hoffman and now both on Foodie Films and High School Slumber Party, they both do cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. They said that at the wedding. So like the, the officiant <laughs> said cageclub.me and then Kyle went up there and said, that's cageclub.me and then read the quotes. It was and incredible. It was, just, we it lost was so it. good. And it was like way... <laughs> It was way formal. Like, I was, like, kind of envisioning this happening as he said, like, Kyle the foodie. And then I was like, no, this is, like, a really nice place. Like, they're not going to do it, are they? And then they they did. did And I loved it. It made me really happy. So we got a nice chuckle out of that. And then we um, ate so much good food. They bring us to this basically, like, an antechamber, which is the only way I can describe it. Like, this whole back room. There's 15, there's, like, 10 stations. I mean, like, what, like? at least eight so there were four major stations in each corner of the room there was a major station there was like asian food in one this is all okay so hold on so (laughs) so this room is like nicer than a handful of weddings i've been to like yes like a nice hotel lobby level atmosphere exactly yeah the ambiance everything about this like we know that this is not the wedding because we know that we have tables like this is not the real reception this is like yeah. like the waiting there's area. no seating there's just like there, i mean there's seating and stuff but you're just not like a like a sit down table right but like we're just like this like if this was the wedding like this is fine like this is great yeah this is like incredible like like if we called it at that point we're like that was a good night it's that open a- bar it's great it's amazing the food is all great there's uh, you know mixed drinks and beer and wine and everything you want in one corner it's like asian food in one corner, it's like Brazilian uh, food. Brazilian, like there was like yeah, then like there was like a chicken seafood and, bar. And yeah. There's like a grilled cheese station, yeah. and then in between each, there's like other like little things. Like there's like a crudite section. Like there's like yeah. five or six or seven like like just so much food. And also there's like there's hundreds of people. Like there's a huge wedding, but there it's is big. so much food. Ever and they also have like waiters coming around with like appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, and, and then there's hors d'oeuvres being passed around too. So there's like like we had like bacon wrapped scallops mm-hmm. and like all kinds of wacky 
stuff that's like not even on the stations. There's like everything bonus food. Yeah. is delicious. Everything's like, there's awesome. not like I didn't have everything there, but everything I had was delicious. We couldn't have eaten everything there. We couldn't have even tried everything there. There's I don't know much. if I told you. I told Rachel. I think you were out vape nationing. I accidentally slash on purpose didn't eat on Saturday. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try to eat light, and then I just wound up not eating until like five o'clock. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did because there was so much <laughs> goddamn food. Yes. And we're there. And also, resident historian Mike Manzi from the Ride Along Lap is there. He was there. Yeah. This was kind of the beginning of the end for Mike Manzi. <laughs> I wasn't going to out him, but you can. Go for it. Well, as we've talked about on the show, I mean, it's all love. We all It's all love here. Family. And also fits it's definitely in family. Because I picked Mike up and I drove him to the wedding. As we've talked on the show before, you are basically a professional alcoholic. That so, yeah, dude, you drink... know Rachel slings booze. Like, my house is full of liquor. We drink a lot. And I learned long ago, don't keep up with it. I don't no. even drink mixed drinks anymore. I just, and especially like in a, like a wedding, like I'm just going to have a couple beers and just have a good time. Don't try to pace yourself against us. And Definitely Mike's not, not really doing that, but he's also doing that. And he's <laughs> and drinking... we and we keep saying we're like Mike, like don't pace yourself with us. Like it's that's probably not a good idea. Like you're an adult. I'm not going to tell you not to, but just saying like if you keep up at Rachel and I's pace, it's going to be a bad night. He was keeping up for a while, <laughs> and the cocktail <laughs> hour is basically like an hour and a half, maybe almost two hours. And then at some point they're like, all right, everybody come back to the main area, and they they completely transformed where the ma- where the wedding ceremony or completely the reception was. Yes, or the ceremony was into the reception. Like it's like this grand ballroom area, and there's all these tables, and it's beautiful, and the DJ all there is set, incredible. Gorgeous champagne, yeah, everything. And we get sat at a table with uh, what we were told were the cool cousins, and they definitely were. Like this was they like the awesome. best table I think we possibly could have been at. Yeah, this we had a great table, tons of fun. They were hilarious. We were just like laughing. It was it was a good time. Yeah, I have been told by you and by other people that like when I have a barbecue here, when I have a gathering, the group of friends that I assemble are, like, all just, like, good people and, like, you can I've talk seen, to anybody. Oh, yeah. This was that, like, times ten, the, the, ten times the number of people. Like, everyone there, like, I didn't talk to everybody, but I talked to a lot of people. They're all great nice. people. They're yeah. all super nice. They're all super cool. Welcoming, friendly. We all have, like, sim- like, similar tastes and habits and stuff. We're all talking about, like, like basically the, like, the longest conversation we had as a table was just, like, what fucked up movies have you watched on Netflix? So we're just, like, watching, like, oh, man, you got you got to see this movie, man. Like, it's just, like, yeah. And, everybody's chiming in and it's great yeah and like friendly d- diverse always right that's always super fun for me it was a great time but i agree with you like i always say this like it's a really great testament that like when you assemble your friends you're like wow like i could bring anybody into this group and nobody feels weird right they're like welcoming they're friendly they're, they're diverse they have stuff to talk about. It's awesome. You know, we're there for maybe you know, like 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And then like the bridal party comes in and they have all the first dances. Like they come out, Brian and Nicole come out to Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And they have, you know, uh, the mother son dance. They have the uh, daddy daughter dance, like the two of them, because uh, both her dad and her stepfather had first dance with her, which was really sweet and really cute. They had their first dance. There's, you know, a lot of the ceremony there. Then they had kind of like an hour of just like kind of dance like they just like the dj dance was party, just like drink time. bumping tunes yeah and then they were like okay now we do food things awesome food again they bring out uh, a salad with like grilled mango or something in there and like potato like no, wrapped it was, in prosciutto. It, was prosciutto it was prosciutto and uh cantaloupe that's like no very... oh it was cantaloupe okay but it was like yeah, grilled yeah. cantaloupe and there's prosciutto wrapped around potato and there's like a salad it was delicious mike is slowing down he's getting tired he's getting tired around eight o'clock the <laughs> entrees come out Braised ribs, delicious. Awesome. Uh, you I had, had the, the, you had the ribs, right? They were great. Rachel had the swordfish. I ate some of that. It was awesome. I look over when when the 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 entrees come out, and Mike is just uh, struck, comatose, not moving. And I'm like, hey, are you 
are you okay, man? And he's like, I can't, I, I can't eat. And I was like, are you, like, you want to go, like, lay down somewhere? Or do you want to, like, go, like, do you want, you want me to call an Uber? You know, we send, we send Mike packing at, like, 8.15. And then we kept going. We and kept going, and night. we went for another three hours, and we danced, and we drank, and, and Donza Kaduro came on very near the end. Yes. And, and that then... was the song that got you onto the dance floor. For sure, and we went back to the staging area, and they did the whole thing again with desserts. And Every so much fucking dessert. There was an ice cream bar. You can imagine. There was yeah. a waffle bar. There was fresh pretzels. There was a cupcake bar. I had some deep fried Oreos, which were amazing. They were they were frying them there, like in front of you. Oh, incredible. There were donuts and cookies and Everything. creme brulee, and I just it was it was insane. It was insane. Yeah. Then I drive you. You drove you guys to the uh, hotel Thank where you were staying, yep. and then I drove home. It was an incredible night. An incredible wedding. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. I've been just talking it up to everyone, like saying about how um, how much fun this was and how awesome it was and beautiful and how happy I am about going and how happy I am for them because it was. Great. You know, like normally, like you know, the bride and groom will send thank you notes to everybody for like thank thank you for coming to the wedding, thank you for the <laughs> gift or whatever. But like on Monday, I was like, I messaged Brian, I was just like, like dude, like, th- like th- thank you. Like this was yeah, we didn't so, send them thank amazing, you notes, right? Like you never like, and this is not about Brian. This is just about any wedding you go to. But like you never really know what a wedding is going to be like, right? Because, like, weddings are obscenely expensive. Even if you have, like, a cheap wedding, like, they're obscenely expensive. Yeah, but no, and I mean, also, it's just, like, like the vibe of it. Like, there's so ma- there's such a vast array of things you can do, right? You could have one outside in your friend's backyard, or you could have one at a very, very nice place. It's like, I don't know what to think about when I go into it, right? God, I was floored coming into this one. I mean, now we, we know if Brian ever takes our quiz again, we know exactly what kind of wedding he would have, right? <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't a backyard country affair. But yeah, no, like literally everyone I know is there, right? Like Ever, it's just yeah. huge. But yeah, like I, I was just like, you know, the food was amazing. Like the people were great. Like it was yeah. beautiful. Like everything about it, like it's just, it was incredible. It was a wonderful night. I'm so glad that they were able to share their love with everybody. It's just like all the, the hackneyed like wedding cliche, but like genuinely I mean them. It's just like, it was amazing. It was a beautiful night. Yep. And I was just happy to be there and just like be able to like Same. enjoy it, right? It was just great. Yeah. It was awesome. I loved it. Everything about it. I can't say yeah. enough good things. And that was kind of it. I mean, I saw, let's see here. In terms of my movie roundup in theaters, what did I see? I saw Frozen 2, which was okay. I saw Knives Out, which was... Matt's been talking about this. He said he wanted to go see it when he comes home for Thanksgiving this weekend. So it, it comes out officially this weekend. As it as you listen to this, it has already come out. Yeah. But my AMC did a week early sneak preview or something, Ooh. so I saw it then. Fancy boy. I liked it. I did not love it. I think I, like, Ryan Johnson movies, like, because he did Brick. Okay. Like, I really like a lot of his movies, but I never really click or connect with a lot of them. He did make my favorite Star Wars movie, Last Jedi, is my favorite one. Okay. But, like, I didn't love this movie, like, the way that I thought I was going to. And I also guessed the mystery. Like, it's a murder mystery. It's a whodunit, right? Okay. And it's it's told in an unconventional way. But I sort of still guessed what was going on, and I was just like, oh, all right. And I wasn't trying to guess, but I just like, it just felt like, oh, okay. But I liked it. I think it's fun. I think you'll enjoy it. I think if you go with Matt, it'll be fun. And then what was the other one I saw? Oh, I saw Doctor Sleep, which I was not excited about, which is why it kind of took me like a month to see it. Yeah. But like, I actually kind of really liked it. Good. I think maybe partially because I had no expectations for it. But, like, for a two-and-a-half-hour sequel to The Shining, it's like, well, why does this exist? Like, I know the book exists. The Stephen King book exists. But, like, why is this a thing? But, like, it was really good. Like, I was surprised. Cool. It's it's basically out of theaters now. Redbox or VOD or whatever. Check it out. I think it's cool. I mean, if you like The Shining, if you like horror-ish, like, it's a long movie. 
but worth seeing, I think. Of the three that I saw, that's my favorite of the three. Um, I think Knives Out will probably be the most popular by to, to most people, the most yeah. you know liked of the three, but uh, not, a, not a bad roundup. Uh, just a tiny addendum. I just want to say thanks to Wes. Joey gave me the nice Hobbs and Shaw glass from the Alamo Draft House. Hobbs and Shaw. I sent him a message to say thank you, but he gave us this really cool Hobbs and Shaw glasses, and I got mine when I saw Joey this weekend. And it was awesome. So just thank you. Yeah, I was so surprised. Like, I was impressed with myself that I remembered. remembered. Yeah, it's one of these things, like, you know, like, when we see each other, we're, like, doing other shit. Like, obviously, we were doing wedding shit. And then, like, right as I was about to get out of the car, you're like, oh, wait, here. And, like, gave me the glass. I was like, fuck, yes. Yep. This is awesome. So, cool. Well, yeah, shout out Wes once again for that. And speaking of shout out Wes, let us head over to the email, to our inbox, to our mailbag. We have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. Joe, we have... I think I need to open up the webmail again because I am not on top of it. I think we have six emails, if I'm right. Okay. We have six emails. Okay. First email from Justin Kleinman, subject top five FF songs. Oh, yeah, because we were asking everybody to send in their five, like, most Fast and the Furious greatest hits songs. Shout out, Justin. Thank you for writing in, Justin. Good to hear from you. He says, all right. Here's my list. I definitely prefer the way the soundtracks have gone in the last half of the series, as they got, I guess, sort of from, like, rap rock to sort of more... Hip-hop, I would say? Yeah. Probably, right? Number five is a tie. We Own It by Wiz and 2 Chains from Fast and Furious 6. Yeah. And Hey Ma by Pitbull and J Balvin from Fate of the Furious. Okay. Hey Ma's a good song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a song that I would necessarily listen to if it wasn't in the movie, but, you know, on the soundtrack, when I listen to the soundtracks, I like it. Same. Yeah, yeah. Number four, Bondoleros, Don Omar and Tego. Yeah. Tokyo Drift. Number three, Rest of My Life. By Ludacris and Usher from Fast and Furious 6. I mean, we just watched it. I can't pick... I couldn't pick that one out. Like I I'm... think it's the closing credit song. Okay. Because I know that there is a Ludacris song either at the very end of the movie or over the closing credits. Because I remember hearing like, oh. Like, I don't know if I've ever really noticed it before, but I was... Because I think we talked so much about the songs specifically, right? And Ludacris being in here, blah, 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 blah. Yes. That I think when I was like, oh, there's Ludacris again. Number two. What? Good Life by G Easy and Kilani from Feed the Furious. Also, again from Feed the Furious. Yeah, people are people like G Easy a lot, man. And he makes like music. Like people really, really enjoy it. I'm not opposed to it. And then Justin's number one favorite song. Can you guess what it is? It's from a later movie. Ooh. It's the big one. See you again by Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth yeah. from Furious Seven. Number one. Yeah, that's that's tug on your heartstrings levels. So for yeah. sure. Justin says, also for the record, I am in Minneapolis proper, specifically Northeast Minneapolis, where all the cool shit is. Minneapolis is dope. Yeah, I was there, I've been there a couple times for a couple Vikings games. We flew in because we were going to Iowa for beer, and it was negative two degrees in the rental car as we got in. We immediately played Little Yachty, Cold Like Minnesota, on loop for like six plays. And just sang cold like Minnesota as we drove through at negative two degrees in Minneapolis. So that's my whole story. But it's it's incredible. It was a fun time. I, I don't know where to go. I think my sister. <laughs> I think my sister connected through Minneapolis one time and like it was negative two outside or something. Like it was just like yeah, it's just it's frigid. It's yes. a very cold city. It is. Yeah, but the people are sweet and the girls are very attractive. Everyone is Minnesota nice. They are. It's true. Which is not a compliment. What? Minnesota nice is a very passive-aggressive nice. Oh, you're like... Do you like, know that? So it's like, no. it's it's nice in a way that, like, is cutting to the bone. Like, they're like, bless your heart type thing? No, like a, 
oh, that that sweater, look, it, it looks really nice on you. But like the way that they say it, it's like, oh, you don't you don't mean that at all. Uh, Maria Bamford talks about that a lot in her oh. stand-up because she's from Duluth, I think, Minnesota. Like there's like a there's a coldness, like there's a warmness and a coldness. And I'm not talking about like Justin seems like nothing but the best. I'm not talking about Justin. Yeah. But like traditionally in the Midwest, there's a passive aggression. Like instead of you saying like that's a fucking ugly sweater, you say that's a really nice sweater. Or like they kill you with kindness. Like it's there's a very like look up Minnesota nice. It's like this very specific type of like. Oh, oh, okay. I get it, like church people. Next email from... I'll, I'll just read the subject line. I'm sure you can gather who this is. <laughs> Besides hump a lot, what do lumberjacks do to stay in shape? They drink plaid teen shakes and exercise. <laughs> is that like a Laffy Taffy joke? Very well might be. From, <laughs> I like of it. course, Wells Lamont. Wells Lamont, yeah. What's up, Wells? I have a buddy who knows some younger kid who creates board games. I've been talking to him about making a Fast and Furious game. He's seen a few of the movies, but he's no veteran like myself. So I'm trying to figure out how to have him acquire enough knowledge to make the perfect game. Well, I have an idea. (laughs) He says, the next sentence, any ideas will help. Boy, do we have a podcast for him. (laughs) Yes. So, so first of all, make him watch all nine movies, obviously. Well, the next thing it says, I'm giving him my DVDs and told him if he watched them and took notes and implemented a little bit from each movie, I would pay him $200 extra. (laughs) I've seen finished products and played a game that he made and it's very professional. As I progress further with this project... I'll keep you guys updated, but that's the stages we're currently in. Please. I mean, obviously, you know that we need beta copies, and I'll pay for it. Yeah. Duh. Obviously. One of the coolest things that happened to me, like, in terms of, like, running the Cage for the Podcast Network is this guy made basically, like, Old Maid, I think, but for yeah, Nicolas Cage characters. We played it. I played it at your house with you guys. I think he asked, would you mind mentioning this on the show? I was like, can you send us a copy and, like, we'll just play Fair it and trade. talk about it? He's like, yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, it was fun. It was just Old Maid with one fac- uh, wacky fun time Cage characters from movies, and we had a good time. Well, says, on another note, the Fast and Furious director says he's hopeful for a fast TV spinoff. Hands and prayer emoji. We are hoping for a TV spinoff. I agree. I would love a live action TV spinoff, like a real drama, like much like the movies. Because we got the some animated series. Yeah. The animated series now comes out the day after Christmas. Like basically what we thought was maybe like, not that it was going to be canceled, but like we just had no news for like four yeah, or five months. It was just like and they're like, hey, silence. by the way, it's out in a month. Yep. I don't know if that's a good or bad sign. Probably bad, but we're going to watch it anyway. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to do it this lap. Yeah. I agree with you in terms of, uh, like, the the quote, I think, was from David Leach, who made Hobbs and Shaw, and he was saying, he was basically saying, you know, you think, you look at Madam M, who is uh, Isaac Gonzalez, who is in Hobbs and Shaw, and you, like, you think about her as yes. her madam, her mistress, with this, like, round, like, this circle, this ring of, like, kind of like badass a Kill Bill lady assassins. Of, right? Like, Kill Bill kind of feel? It would feel like a Kill Bill kind of situation to me. Oh, no, no, no. You know what it is? It's like the um the pilot that they pitch in Pulp Fiction. Fox Force 5. Fox Force 5, yes. Exactly. Fox because they're a bunch of foxy you know ladies. It. Force because we're forced to be reckoned with, and 5 because there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of us. Yes, exactly. And yes, and the plot is Kill Bill. Yes. I think Madam M would fit perfectly into Fox Force 5, right? Sure. Like, it sounds like a very similar plot. I want the Fastiverse to never end as long as it never turns into an Independence Day 2 type of awful. I agree. Not great. <laughs> yeah. Shows, spin-off movies, serials, theme parks, tours, all that stuff. Long live the Fastiverse. I mean, obviously we're in the same boat as you, in the same car as you. Well, we don't have a theme park, but we do have a theme park ride, which you and I do. covered on this very show. Universal, yeah, we do. I'm a weirdo, Wells writes, and I hope they bring Brian back. He had a great send-off in 7, but to me, mm. wasn't a Brian send-off, it was a Paul Walker send-off. Oh, fair point. I can I can see it. Brian is still in the realm, and I would love his brother to play him. I mean, at this point, does anything even matter anymore, LOL? I just need the content. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's give him a three-part spin-off prequel trilogy. Bring back all the deceased and keep turning out movies. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not a superhero slash comic book movie fan, nor am I a Star Wars fan besides two of the originals. I bring those up because there's a Star Wars movie every year and True. 16 superhero movies a month. Yep. I'm not so much into sci-fi and fantasy, but I want to see the Fast and Furious to be on that level, pretty much to a point where, quote, now I need to incorporate a movie fund into my budget because there's so many <laughs> movies to see. I want it to be excessive. <laughs> Can you imagine if we have, like, phase four of the Fastiverse, and it's just, like, like Suki's Wild Ride, and then, like, you know, like, we get, like, all of these spinoffs, Agents of Four, like, Agents of Fast and stuff like that. You have to have Netflix, you have to have Disney+, Plus. you have to have, like, all of these things to get all the pieces of it, just spreads everywhere. Like, there's no way anybody that, like, can actually watch, like, all the Marvel content. Like, I know that there's people that have, but, like, it's so much content, right? The problem with that is, and I think that's something that Disney is trying to fix now with Disney+, Plus, is that I can keep up with things, but I can't catch up on things. And so when they're like, hey, over the span of, like, four months, here's four new Marvel shows. There's a Daredevil season. Yes. There's an Iron Fist season. Yes. There's a Punisher season. There's a Jessica Jones season. I'm just like, I don't have, like, I would have 50 hours if you put it out over six months spam, like one a week or whatever. Yeah. Which is what they're doing with The Mandalorian, weekly episodic release, which is helping number one. Yeah. You hate that? Yeah, dude. I want all the episodes at once. I mean, like now that we've come up with it like that, like the weekly no, releases. No, I, I can't. I can't do it. I don't. I don't do that. Like I can't do that because I can't keep up with it. <sighs> I know. Like you can still wait. Like you could still wait three months and then just binge it all at once if you want to do that. Like the ability to have a conversation about an episode and also the ability to actually like factor in an hour in my week as opposed to like, oh, well, I got nine hours of Mindhunter season two that like it just feels daunting to break into. Like, it's I nice to have I get it. Yeah. that chunk, but it's like, I don't know, like, one hour is so much more approachable than nine. My drug-induced ADD makes it nearly impossible for me to remember what's happening week to week, so it loses some of the luster if I don't watch it in, like, a big chunk, a big chunk. But you still can, you just have to wait a little bit, but I think that, I think the window release, but like, then I just... spoil shit. That's what annoys me. But people still spoil shit anyway. No, not really. When it's, like, chunk release shows, like, everybody kind of has this weird, like, really cool about, like, not spoiling shit like i've noticed that like if a show comes out like all at once people won't post spoilers immediately because there's an assumption that you like people probably didn't all watch it midnight the night that it came out but like even for the mandalorian which is just you know it's the one episode like star wars is like a different thing though because everybody's so bonered about ruining star wars nerdist posted like a spoiler in a title of an article at lunchtime the day it came out it's like well what like what what'd you expect how like how are people not going to be upset about that? Like you don't even give them time like to to watch it. Like what do you? Yeah, that's lame. Anyway, TLDR. I like a windowed release. I don't mind. I, I like, I like keeping up with things. I look forward now to Fridays because that's when the Mandalorian comes out. Like it's not my favorite show, but I like looking forward to it. If it if they drop thirteen episodes. I don't know if I even would have started it by now. You know what I mean? Like, I just... Yeah, I get you. Like, in the same sense that, like, you know what I really do love spreading out, though, is, like, reality trash TV, like Temptation Island. Like, if I get one every Thursday, like, I look forward to it. I get the enjoyment of looking forward to it. But Temptation Island isn't something that, like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot Jesse, like, had this thing three episodes ago. You know what I mean? Like, it's Temptation Island. It doesn't really matter if I don't remember anything. I got Different vibes, yeah. Wells writes, all right, bros, until next time, like my friend's little brother would say back in the day, peace anus, you anus piecers. I still don't know what it means, but it always cracks me up. <laughs> what? what? Anus piecers? Peace anus, you anus piecers. <laughs> I don't know what it sure. means either. It would make me laugh if like a little kid said this to me. Peace anus, anus piecers. I remember the first time I heard the F word was when I was in third grade and you I was over my friend's it? house. 
Okay. And his his older brother was playing hockey, and his hockey stick broke. And he thought that we, like, tampered with it. And he's like, you motherfuckers. And I was like, well, I don't know what this is, but I know this is bad. <laughs> the, the inflection of it sounded scary. And I just looked at my friend. We were both like, uh, like he made it look like, oh, we don't want to be near him right now. <laughs> like, this is... Uh, this is we don't we don't want to be near this. And I was just like, oh boy. Did you guys run? Ooh. What happened? We ran away. Like we were just outside. Like we ran away or whatever. But like he didn't follow us. But I was just like, why would I fuck with his stick? Like I'm not. <laughs> like why am I lumped into this? Like he might have done something. I didn't. Like I just got here. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that good story. Nice it wasn't share. as good as uh, piece anus who anus piecers. But I was just no, like, but it's this good. Is, I like this. It. Is uh, that was boy. fun. Yeah. The next uh, three emails are kind of a triptych. Then there's a little bit of a backstory here. So they're all from Jenny. Super okay. fan Jenny McMullen. Two oh, she good. sent to this show, from Jenny. but one she sent to Boyfriend Material. Ooh. But it's about a movie that has a car that's featuring a car very prominently and okay. a car verb in the title. So I forwarded it here because Boyfriend Drive. Material may rest in peace. Yeah. So first up, subject line movies. Jenny writes, "Hi guys, been meaning to write in, but never in the right place at the right time. So just found Drive on Netflix on Saturday night. The jacket, the watch, the music." It's Only beautiful. 20 minutes in. Hope we like it. Oh, I hope she did like it. We really enjoyed that movie. I like it. But this is the Too Fast, Too Forever podcast, so thanks for putting Ford v. Ferrari in the lineup. Been meaning to take uh... my dad to lunch in a movie, and this one will fit the bill. Yeah, that would be a great dad and movie lunch type dad date. That would be awesome. I would take my dad to go see this movie if he was close. She said, we went and watched it last weekend. It was set in his era, and he pointed out a car, and he said, quote, I had one of those. Oh, nice. That's cool. He's not a fan of Fords, so he mentioned that, too, when they revealed the Mustang. He's more of a Chevy guy. <laughs> Shout out. But it was a cool It was cool learning about two main characters and who they must have been in real life. I thought it yes. was a pretty decent flick. It was we a had a good movie. time. Good. She says, another movie I've seen the weekend before was The Lighthouse, like Joey. I don't go to the movies very often, but a friend said, let's go and let me pick what movie. I suggested this one. I chose it because it looked like the most appealing, and I thought it might be Oscar material. It was definitely okay. good acting, but very disturbing, which is what they were going for, so it was worth watching. I Love The Lighthouse. In my top five for the year so far. Wow. Okay, good. Back to the podcast. All the talk about Han recently made me look him up on Wikipedia. I always had wondered what <laughs> had to do with it. Oh, boy. Uh, Bleep technology. <laughs> Bleep technology, yeah. Having not seen six or seven, so now I know. Really enjoying this lap, and Kara's take on the films later, Jenny. We love Kara, yeah. Thank you, Jenny, for writing in, too, by the way. This is something that Jenny reminded me of. If you are listening to this episode because you found Ford v. Ferrari last week, I mean, it basically, as we're recording this, the episode just came out. Yes. So unless someone found it and was just like, I got to email these guys right away, there's no way for us to know. But if you found our show because of Ford v. Ferrari and you stuck around, email family at cageclub.me. Let us know that you did that because I, I wonder if covering, like, we're not just going to cover new movies, cover new movies, but like covering new movies about cars and stuff. Yeah. It's I think it's a, a cool it's cool it makes sense and like it also, you know, diversifies us a little bit. I agree. On a related topic, next email from Jenny, The 24-Hour War. Okay. Hi guys, I just watched a documentary, The 24-Hour War on Netflix mm-hmm. about the entire history of the Ford v Ferrari rivalry. It featured commentary from many legends in the racing industry. If you like the movie and want to see more, this documentary will cover it. It kept my attention, unlike Hyperdrive. Harsh words for Hyperdrive. If you weren't into, like, the game show, fun time, car yep. aspect of it, it's, it's not for everyone. I get it. They tried to make it for everyone, but I could definitely see people being like, I didn't want to watch that. That's what I thought. Like, I thought that I would not connect with it, and I was sort of, I was just so glad that I did, you know what I mean? So Yeah. After hearing you guys talk about it, I gave it a look-see, only made it about two-thirds of the way through the first episode. 
All the lights and all the driving at night were just too much for me. It was difficult to follow. Oh, at least I gave it a try later, Jenny. Yeah, no worries. You heard us talk about it. I mean, we pretty much broke down everything about it if you listened. So yeah, I think cool. if the visual style, like the it's... visual style, doesn't really change. Like that's consistent throughout. Yeah. Like I, I would say that if you were having it's like a seizure, like seizure yeah. induced, it's like neon and like flashing lights and shit. Yeah, if you if if the if you didn't like the the visualizations early, don't continue. We wouldn't push it on you because it's not it's not going to change because i was gonna say like if it was narratively because like in terms of the actual like structure and like the way the show is the first few episodes are i think we talked about this on the the episode yeah way worse like i think Mm -hmm. once they lock in the field they're used to like what the show is and it gets a lot better yes but if it's the actual visual style that is consistent throughout and so if you want you need to jump ship by all means jump ship amen third email from jenny this is the one to boyfriend material subject line drive Hi guys, just finished watching Drive. When he drove away from the money, I exclaimed, no fucking way! (laughs) Other than that, it was good in that it kept our attention, but there were a few times when we were wondering what's going on. I predicted when the husband would get killed. My husband noticed in one of the scenes in a car where he was driving Irene through the city that the gauges were at zero, meaning the car was not even running. Yeah. I hate when that happens. That's Goof. Like, no, I just didn't notice it when I was watching Drive because we weren't doing the minute yet. Yeah, like so I wasn't like in that mindset right. to like watch for gauges and stuff. It was also cool to see other actors like Christina Hendricks, Brian Cranston, and Albert Brooks in different kinds of roles. It was worth watching, but I was a little disappointed in the ending. Later, Jenny. P.S. I realized as we were watching it that the, the gloves played a bigger part than the watch. Also, wearing the jacket with the blood on it was a little weird. Yeah, that is a little weird. Go wash your jacket. Get it dry cleaned. I was actually just talking about Drive because uh, Matt was asking me if I had if I had ever seen Only Goss Forgives, and I said yes, Matt. Of course I have. I've seen everything he's done except for Breaker High. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, Matt, did you like Drive? And if you did like Drive, Only Goss Forgives is a prettier, more convoluted version a of prettier weirder version yeah and he said yes and he said he would give it a shot but he hasn't watched it yet but we were just talking about it i feel like he's not gonna like it but we'll find out no yeah i don't know i was like dude like if you if you really like drive you might like only goss for kids that's the level that i put it at i, I can't imagine somebody's like i loved only god forgives and hated drive with nicholas winding reference movies like drive is kind of the most most approachable one for and sure. it's still yeah not weird yeah. really approachable at times. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like it's... A thousand percent. That's what I was trying to convey to Matt. I'm, I'm with you 100%, brother. Last... So thank you, Jenny, for writing in. I uh, yeah, I hope you're okay that we read the Boyfriend Material one on here because otherwise it would probably just never get read. Yeah. It made sense. I think it made sense for for talking about Drive, uh, especially. You know, it's not like uh, talking about Young Hercules, which... <laughs> Shout out, Young yeah. Hercules. Last email from Mr. West Hampton. Subject line, F and F6. What up, fam? What up, Wes? I'm glad I didn't try to rush and get an email out last week since you recorded the Ford v. Ferrari episode so soon after Fast Five. Yeah, no worries. Like we said before, like, you know, they just come out as they come out. No rush. We're okay. Yeah. And we're okay having episodes where we don't have emails. I mean, like, we love emails and we want emails, yep. but, like, it's okay if it just doesn't line up. I know that we record on different days and stuff, so. It used to be Wednesday for a while, and I feel like we haven't done Wednesday in a while, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, more content, I guess it's hockey though. season now, and it's always a mixed mix bag in hockey season. Truth. That is true, yeah. Unfortunately, it's been so busy around here with Thanksgiving cookie business, combined with the regular Thanksgiving nonsense, we Ooh. haven't gone to see anything in, like, two weeks, but... I liked the episode a lot. Cool, good. I hope we didn't spoil anything, but again, like we said on the episode, like you can't really spoil Ford versus Ferrari because it's like a known story. It's like, go see the movie, and you'll probably enjoy it no matter what we said. So uh, I don't feel like the movie was spoiled. 
Here we go. go I, I feel there like, you go. Yeah, I feel like we. I always need to read one more sentence, and it basically doesn't nullify what you said, but that's just like, oh yeah, you, exactly, you're right there. Yeah. I don't feel like the movie was spoiled past the point of still being enjoyable, and I do plan to see it eventually. Good. He says, I'm also excited to hear that Kara is liking these movies more and more, though I am disappointed in everyone involved that the big Tokyo Drift reveal was spoiled for her. Trust me, we are too. But she still doesn't know any of the beep, 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 beep technology stuffs. We're going to play it by ear and see how it goes. And uh, because we recorded the back half of this before we did this part, uh, we know that she stopped. She did not see the credit scene in this. So that that reveal, that surprise is still intact. now that she's seen this movie, and we know she's seen this movie, she didn't know that Giselle died. Right. So, like, Giselle dying in this one now is, like, was, like, still, like, flooring right she was she was expecting the 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 first one but then giselle died and she's like oh we'll make up for it in lap seven i hope i mean at some point we're gonna do this i try yeah um i was really curious to see her honest reaction watching the movies in this order because i've always gone back and forth in my head on the best watching order for new fans i guess now we'll never know lies we will know hopefully in lap seven we hopefully will and and hey we got infinite laps so if we fuck it up a hundred times we're still gonna try Mm-hmm. We'll try to find someone that we can do it. The science is ruined. Thanks a lot. Oh, God. Anyway, here are my new episode observations. Okay. says, congrats to Ben on his new baby. Now, the real question is, which die-cast car model are you going to buy for them? Are you already trying to push tuners on them? Jack, you know, you got a garage all to yourself. <laughs> First car better be a Charger. Uh, you mean Skyline? He is a Toretto. I don't remember what this is referring to, but I made a note that said, quote, locksmith scam. I don't know if you ever listened to Reply All. I do not. And because it's a podcast that you're not on, you don't either. But a few years ago, they did some episodes about online scams. There was a really great one, mostly about this really widespread locksmith scam. But it's also about Google AdWords. I don't know how out of date it is at this point, but it was a fascinating listen when it came out. Here's a link. Okay, cool. Speaking of links, here's my Fast and Furious Anthems playlist, which I'll share with you later as well. Okay. There was, when I was interning at the newspaper by me in college, Mm -hmm. there was a scam going on where, I mean, I'm sure that these kind of things happen all the time, but there was a scam where people would go to basically old people's houses and offer to repave their driveway and get paid up front and start the work and then leave. And uh, it's not only, like, it's shitty enough that you're stealing from old people, uh, but you're also, like, actively fucking up their driveway and then not fixing it. It's like, this is, like, a double, double whammy. Yeah, like, like that's you're, like, a super shitty. asshole. Like, at least, yeah. like, get them to, like, pay you for, like, the first half of it and just not do it. Not, not do half of it. You know what I mean? That's really fucked. Assholes. That really sucks. Right? I've heard about that, though. I mean, like, I've heard, this is, like, a very common contractor thing not against any contractors i know great ones but like i've heard of contractors starting jobs and not finishing them and stuff like that it it just sucks it's not fair and don't fuck with old people for no reason i mean like there's plenty of reasons to be angry at old people uh, okay boomer <laughs> yeah you should you, but like don't purposely set out to fuck with them like you can be angry at them from a distance don't fuck with anybody but yeah yeah I'll preface this by saying everyone is entitled to their own opinion, and I can kind of see where she's coming from, but those are some super hot takes from Kara about not liking Brian or The Rock. I know. We're, we're kind of curious if she'll ever come around. Like, is it just going to be like repetition is going to get to her? Or I what? think Fate. I think she'll like Hobbs after Fate. Furious 7, because he's not spoilers-ish, but it's not really a spoiler. He's not in 7 a lot. I think there's going to be like a slight uptick. I think 8 is where it's going to turn the corner, because, like, 8 is really like, oh, we need a breakout star. Yeah. I do think they both get better as the movies go on, and I hope she feels the same. I love Fast 5, 
but that's definitely my least favorite version of Hobbs because they didn't write us the rock strengths, which we talked about before. Like it's just yep. like a generic military man, whatever. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing a char- the character of the Fast and the Furious. Not he's playing the Rock as. Hobbs. Yes, I always assumed that the whole had to make a call thing from Fast Five was about Brian telling Mia to steal the car, not about driving the car off a cliff. He realized something was up and he made a call to change the plan, uh. even though it had made zero sense and everything would have been fine. They had just gone along with the original heist. Either way, shitty call, O'Connor. Yeah. I mean, Brian makes a lot of shitty calls. It happens. When I was looking for the info on when Giselle was named, I just searched through transcripts, so I thought they might have shown it on a DSS screen somewhere, but I wasn't sure. Good to know she didn't officially go unnamed for two whole movies. Yeah, but just, you know, not much better. It just (laughs) slightly better. (laughs) Slightly. Very slightly. Kara also mentioned in respect to Tej that being a circuit guy is a lot different than being a software guy, and I think with Ramsey in the mix now, they really need to lean into that more. They've used him as the de facto hacker, but Tej owned a garage or two, so he should really just be the mechanic tinkerer inventor. That way he and Ramsey complement each other rather than one of them seeming redundant. And that would set them up nice to relationship, right? Yeah. That just, if they were like a good my last compliment, name? If they were a good compliment, then that cuts Roman out because he's just a talker. So like he had a shot, but if if like if it's gonna be that Tej and Ramsey are working together all the time, then like obviously we know that they're gonna be the, the team. They're gonna be like a Brian and Mia kind of team, like that they need each other to work. So Yeah, we need a, we need the hacker. We need another hacker. We need another yeah, he's hacker. Right. We need she, another she... hacker. <laughs> yeah, Tej was circuits, yeah. Especially knowing that Bleep Technology is the villain eight, Bleep Technology specialty is computers. Yes. And knowing the franchise's tendency to turn villains into heroes if believe technology joins the family they're gonna have three people yeah they're gonna have three circuits doesn't make any sense in response to all the deaths in fast five they're always pretty careful to show people running out of the way and the only people you see getting wrecked are the quote crooked cops or presumably empty cars parked on the side of the road yes in reality the safe stunt would have killed dozens of people but in the movie universe it's like one of their automancer powers that they can wreak all this havoc with zero civilian casualties. It's not really until Fast and Furious 6 when we see Owen running over civilian cars for fun that we see a truly thoughtless act of violence. And honestly, the tank scene makes him a much more evil and unforgivable character than any other villain in my eyes. Other bad guys may have killed the occasional bystander, but it was always for collateral damage or as a mean to an end, never for fun. Yeah, I guess you're right. The people that, like, Braga and them are killing, for the most part, are, like, part of their crew, other yep. drug dealers. Like, they're other criminals. I guess Owen is the only one that's, like, running over, actually seeking out killing civilians for no apparent reason. We talk about that in this episode. In the back half of this episode, we talk about Shaw versus Dom. They have that interaction in this movie where... They're talking about, like, Shaw's like, this means to an end, this, you know, pieces are interchangeable as long as the end result. And I think it's between that and just him killing people for fun or for whatever, it's like, oh, this is, he's a different breed of criminal than Dom. Yes. Uh, Wes says, sorry, Joe, I've never owned a WRX, though I would love to drive one. I've never owned any remotely cool car. My relationship with vehicles has always been, quote, what's the cheapest thing that will get me to, to and from work? You know what it was? I think I'm remembering that there was a Subaru in the lot picture that he sent you of the Alamo Draft House. I think that one of the pictures he sent us of something like that had a Subaru in the background. But you know what? Now that he, now that he says it, I think he did mention that he like didn't have any super fun car or something weird like that. But I swear to God, he sent us a picture that had a Subaru in it at one point. All right, this is a big one. The Harry Potter house system is fundamentally flawed, like any system that tries to paint a person with broad strokes, but like everyone else... 
I also like to identify with these fictional divisions, which is what makes it such a popular device in young adult literature. I've always self-identified as a Ravenclaw, confirmed by Pottermore, which I think is fairly common with fans of the books, because reading fantasy for fun is some real nerd shit, but I'm also a real analytical person, if you couldn't tell. I think we could tell. Yes, yeah. I don't go in for the whole combined houses ideas, Raven Puff and Slitherdoor are not a thing. Never heard no. of that. I don't like that. Unsubscribe. No, I don't like it either. But I do think about it in terms of primary and secondary personality traits. I'm a Ravenclaw, but I'm definitely on the Slytherin end of the Ravenclaw spectrum. I agree that Rowling kind of dicked over the Slytherins to make things simplistic, but there are no bad houses. All houses have good and bad aspects, like any person does. True, I would agree with that. Slytherins are ambitious and cunning. They can use it for good as easily as bad, and generally, I think of Gryffindors as being more loud and brash than the other houses. Yeah, assholes. Mrs. West is a Gryffindor. Through Sorry, and through. Mrs. West. I like you. Asshole. <laughs> She's got the friendliness and loyalty of a Hufflepuff, shout out, but she's also bold and draws people to her. Anyway, I clearly have a lot of thoughts about this whole thing, but I think I've said enough. I've always kind of, I'm always kind of fascinated with these type of personality type identifiers, Same. like Myers-Briggs or even astrology to a point, even though I don't believe in it at all. I guess it's why I enjoyed writing the character descriptions for your quiz. Yeah, and we thank you, and they are great. That's the one thing, you know, I love having Kara on, I love bringing these movies to her for the first time. But not being able to do the quiz every time, like... Oh, I know, it hurts, right? Because it's... We spent we spent so much time on that. And, like, we're going to be... Like, next lab is going to be all different guests, and so we're going to have that all... You know what yeah. I mean? But, like, man, oh, man. Oof, I agree. Wes says, I love the idea of a 24-hour Fast and Furious marathon live stream. Put it up on Twitch or Facebook Live or something. I think exactly. for copyright reasons, you wouldn't be able to show the TV, but, but everyone us. can synchronize with you and watch along if they wanted. I think it would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's what I think, too. Like, we could even show the, like, progress bar or something. Yeah, we'll, we could figure it out. I, I agree. I, I would like to do a 24-hour Fast and Furious torture chamber, tag in, tag out, somebody must be awake at all times type. You know what we could also do, depending on what the show looks like in six months, there, there's a reason we're going, we're, we're weekly on this, because we've seen growth with the show, you know, more people writing in and more people listening and more people Amen. on social yeah. media than anything else we've ever done. But if it continues to grow, maybe... And I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse. If we have even more people listening by the time Fast and Furious 9 comes out, maybe we do, like, an annual event where we just do 24 hours before each new movie. The 24-hour Le Mans before each movie? Yeah. I like it. I'm down. And we just, like, binge them right before we go? I don't know if it would be right before we go, because I don't want to fall asleep in the theater, which I almost certainly yes. would. But, like, the no, weekend no, no, before... Not- not, like, right before we go, but, like, the weekend before. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be necessarily 24 hours. It can be all of them once, or it could be we can find other stuff to put in or whatever, or I don't know, whatever it is, but... Shuffle. Put them on yeah. shuffle. It doesn't really matter. I mean, at this point, like, I think we're getting them down to the point where, like, we fucking know them. Yeah. Wes says, I've never seen Tammy and the T-Rex, but I've listened to a podcast episode about the original cut, and without spoiling anything, Joe is way off on the plot. Well, I think we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more weird, and I'm, I'm really going to try to find the gore cut before your episode on it. And as we say in the back half of this, we still have no updates on that just because it's not Black Friday yet. I don't know how quickly Vinegar Syndrome is going to get these out or how quickly, you know, if they're going to put it up online or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it might get flip-flopped one spot or whatever. Yeah, we'll play it by ear. So actually here, I will I will announce this right now because it's going to be the next episode that we're doing. So the patrons have voted. Voting is closed. Oh, you're going to tell officially. me? You're going to tell me? Because I don't know what it is either. You don't know what it is. Voting is closed on the patron poll. I mean, it's still open, but just it's so far back it's that nobody's yeah. going to scroll back there. The movie that people have picked, that our patrons have picked it? on TooFast2Forever.com for us to cover for the Paul Walker lap Kay. is Into the Blue. Ooh. So, okay. Jessica Alba... Paul Walker, 
swimming Don't in beautiful waters. If you're listening to this, and we'll we'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that if we can't find it or whatever, but if you're unsure, just see Into the Blue and see Tammy and the T-Rex the gore cut because we're going to do them both this lap. We're ideally going to do Tammy next week because I think that's going to be more timely and people are maybe like yeah. looking for it. But As it comes out, yeah. Yes. But if we can't get it then, we'll do Into the Blue and then we'll do this when we would normally do Into the Blue, right? So yeah. know that. Watch both of those. But Into the Blue, Tammy the T-Rex, one of those will be next week. Stay tuned to all the social media channels and whatever. Uh, for the update there. Well, I think this email has gone on long enough. I hope Kara continues to like the movies. Spoiler, she liked this one a lot. Until she next did. time, stay furious, Wes. Thank you, Wes, for writing in. And that's all of our emails. I have a mini addendum to that. There is one more message that I would like to read that I mentioned to you a while ago. Oh, I think I screenshotted this, but yes, go ahead. As everybody knows it listens, we play a game called Boy, Do We Have a Podcast for You. And it originally started because... I would see my friends mention an actor that we were talking about, like Zac Efron on social media, and I would just tell them, boy, do we have a podcast for you, and link to the Zac Efron podcast. And then, you know, we started doing Too Fast, Too Forever. Now we have Too Fast, Too Forever. We have the Facebook page. I saw one of my Facebook friends, Dustin, Mm -hmm. and he was saying, make Fast and the Furious car movies again. And I just said, boy, do we have a podcast for you. And link to the podcast. And he's like, holy shit, is this really you? And I was we were like, yeah, that's this is, you know, what me and Joey do. And, and like, we release it weekly and we talk about Fast and Furious movies, you know, once every two weeks, forever, on loop, indefinitely. And he was like, holy shit. He's like, I'm going to listen to it. A lot of people say that. I don't always believe it. I'm never going to force it on someone. I like playing Boy Do We Have a Podcast for you and seeing people respond more than anything. I said, hey, if you ever want to, send me your rankings. We'll read them on air. So he apparently has been listening mind blown i didn't think he would and he sent us in his rankings i'm gonna read them now we can add them to the the sheet right yep, i'm doing that right now things. yep so this is pre hobbs and shaw he says he sends me the rankings he said this was i found myself smoking cigs and thinking about how shitty number eight is and this was a really difficult task make fast and furious street racing movies again i'll go from bottom to top that little hint should have given you the clue. Eight, Fate of the Furious. Yep. Um, he says six and seven are, or the numbers six and seven are a coin flip between Fast and Furious six and Too Fast, Too Furious. So he has six really low. He has Which Fast I understand if he likes the car movies more, but still six that low is crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. Number five, he continues with his number matching is Fast Five. Again, crazy that it's this low. Crazy that low. Um, number four, Fast and Furious seven. Uh, people have that high. People like it, so that makes sense. Number three, what he claims has the best soundtrack, which I, I think we would be inclined to agree with, uh, is, is Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Number two, Fast and Furious, which is four. Which is crazy high, but okay. Crazy okay. high. Yeah, there's a lot of hot takes in this. And then um, number one is the original, The Fast and the Furious. Which makes sense. Which makes sense based on what he was telling us. Yeah, that was really interesting. Thanks, Dustin, for sending in your list. He said he started at the beginning, so, you know, 17 days of listening later, he heard this. And Maybe. <laughs> thanks for sending your part I of wonder, the... I wonder what's the... more surprising, that five and six are so low, or given his taste, that two is so low. I don't know, man. That's what I was thinking, too. Two is very low for, like, what his bar was. I think five and six kind of, like, transcend this a lot, right? Like, people still really like five and six. I can see him having one really high, obviously, but, like, four 
being that high, five and six being super low, weird. But thank you, Dustin, for sending those in. That's the first rankings we've had in a while. I think that's the first rankings we've had since Alex Ellenin sent his in at the beginning of this lap. So, yeah. or whenever that was, whenever he, you know, subscribed to us on Patreon and emailed in. But I'm just very excited because we are mere weeks away from your final officially updated after five laps ranking so oh did i uh, i didn't do that yet no you said after every five laps you're gonna give me a new one i think i did it in my head i did it like an official one i actually think i even wrote it down at one point for you i have it somewhere it's like on a piece of paper floating around my house somewhere well we'll get to it when we get to it We'll get to it. And it'll probably be changed, so it doesn't even fucking matter if I find that piece of paper. So, If you are listening, you have not sent in your rankings, family at cageclub.me. Send in your top five Fast and Furious songs. Let us know what you think of the show. Just say hi, whatever, family at cageclub.me. Also, if you're listening, don't want to write a whole email, go to Apple Podcasts, go wherever you listen, give us five stars, write us a review, share with your please, friends, please. rate, review, subscribe, all that sort of fun stuff. 17 ratings, all five stars, no new reviews, but thank you all who have done that already. Thank Always you. on the lookout for more. Joe, we have to go to On the Streets, the Fast and Furious news roundup. The big one, I think, we is what we said. Yeah. Netflix animated series, Fast and Furious, whatever it's called. Fast and Furious Spy Racers coming out the day after Christmas. Animated series with, very cool, I think it's in a small part, but Vin Diesel's daughter does a Actual voice in it. daughter. And, 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 we, and Joey and I had like a long description that he had to explain this to me. You're like, I can't <laughs> believe like, this, he has two kids? Because he's got the lane. He's got, you know, baby and Brian. Joey's and Joey's like, his what daughter. do you mean? I, he, I don't know how many kids he has. And we're like, well, he has the the baby with Elena. And he's like, Vin Diesel's daughter. And I'm like, yeah. I knew what you meant. Because I know, like, <laughs> when you run foodie films with, with Chocolat, and the, I don't remember who you're talking about. It was, I think you were confusing Meryl Streep with Helen Mirren. And, I was. like, yeah. Kyle, like, couldn't figure out, like, he couldn't parse through your brain, like, I don't know yeah, who you're talking about. You got it. And you're like the other, the other old white lady. I was just like, I know exactly. I'm like, I'm like yelling at my phone, like I know what you're talking about. But like, even in this case, I was just like, I know. I, I think he's confusing Vin and Tom. Dom. But like, I also I, can't. I cannot believe he's doing this. Yeah, I mean, I use their names interchangeably in my head. So I was just assuming that Vin Diesel's daughter was Dom's daughter. And that we were acknowledging that he had a second child at some point, and that would fit into the scope of the Fastiverse. I mean, maybe he will fit. in uh, You Are My Lifespan. Who knows? Who knows? He's got another sister? Yeah, he, he does. Who knows? I don't know. Other news since we last recorded, there is a new Craig Lieberman video about Roman Pierce's Eclipse Spider and why it almost didn't happen. I don't know what it is yet, because I have not watched the video yet. But did you watch the video or no? No, I didn't, and I love the Craig Lieberman videos. So that's another news thing. Let's see here. What else is there? Anything that you can think of that, that has happened as I scroll back on our Facebook feed? No, Matt sent me an article the other day. I didn't even post it. It said, like, they're going to finish the Fast and Furious at 10, but we've kind of already knew that, so it wasn't, like, real news. That's the site that has been breaking news. Like, it's that's the one that's it's basically the cinema blend that, like, last summer was like, oh, these all these people are, or this past summer, all these people are going to be in Hobbs and Shaw. That seems to be, like, the main go-to. But, like, we Nico sent me that link, too, and I was like, yeah, like, that's not really news, though. Like, we knew that. But they're like, it's going to end at 10, but then spinoffs don't count, and we're like, okay, cool. So, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, they're not giving us a definite, like, it's going to end. They're just saying, like, there's only going to be 10 in the Fastiverse, so. And this is what I was saying to Nico. Like, they're, like that's basically their end game, like, their Avengers end game. Like, it's, that's yeah. that's where everything is going to end, but they're, they would not stop making movies that make... 500 700 million a billion dollars or whatever right so yeah they're gonna make some version of it like it's we're gonna get the animated series like this this has no end in sight people are still buying it people still love it like we do so we got nothing but time got nothing
not Bataan. And I think that's all of the news that's fit to print. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's been anything else new. One of these episodes, we're going to be like, oh, trailer dropped, but no, it still hasn't happened. No, it hasn't yet. Definitely not. Soon, probably. But yeah, I think very soon. We should be getting right there. I th- probably like around Christmas time during the Christmas movies. But they're starting to come out. You know what I mean? Like before Knives Out, it wasn't like, I don't know. It just. No, I'm saying like the movies that are in theaters for Christmas. That wave has begun slowly. Like I know it's not going to be before Frozen, but like we're in that sort of blockbustery thing now. I mean, maybe the movies that come out Christmas week, maybe. That's what like, I'm saying. We're yes. in the, it wouldn't be surprising to happen now and still not that yet. or. But... Joey, remember last time the trailer broke during the Super Bowl, so that'd be February. But I think that's late. Yeah, that is late. I don't think that was the first trailer. I think that was like for Furious Seven. I think they had one, and they had one for Hobbs and Shaw. Like I don't remember. Yeah, I think. But one of the, like early trailers was in. I, I think you're right. I think it was the second trailer came out during the Super Bowl, and that's when I was like, "Don't watch it." All right, we're going to do Rock the Vote, where I'm going to see on Google News if Dwayne Johnson is running for president. I searched the Rock president. Apparently, Donald Trump has said that public support for impeachment is. Quite Quote, dropping like a rock. Vox says he's using non-existent polls for that. And that's not that's neither here nor there. Does not seem to have anything to do with Dwayne Johnson. I was to search Dwayne Johnson president. Will Black Adam include Henry Cavill's Superman? Here's what the producer said. But no, no news that The Rock is running for president yet. Yet. Still time. Bloomberg just entered the race. Bloomberg entered the race? Yeah, there's there's time. Apparently we were off. Yeah, The Rock still got a shot, man. All right, the last thing we have to do before the break, before we bring in Kara, is the Fast and Furious Minute. Minute 24. I don't love the name, but this is also a weird kind of minute. I call this one the first scramble. Because like I don't I don't know like this is a this is a hard I think it's gonna be a hard minute to talk about uh, like split like the only thing I could think of like how about like step on it I mean there's only one line of dialogue in this and it's, it's sort of quiet because it's like under the music it's under the thing but it's Jesse just saying cops get in the car go go maybe get in the car go go maybe the first scramble works too but like get in the car go go I like yeah that's probably better because all that happens in this minute as you just heard the police show up and the drivers scramble yeah. Like, we see our family get into their cars and drive off, but, like, we don't follow any of them. We just kind of zoom out and just watch a whole... Like, this is more cars driving around than we've seen through the first 23 minutes. Like, the, this minute has the most cars in motion. Hundreds. Maybe yeah, probably, in this, like, probably this entire movie, right? Yeah. This is the gigantic car meetup breakup scene. But maybe Race Wars might have more at some points. Like, in terms of other scenes from other movies, there's Race Wars in this one. Yeah. There's the scramble at the end of two. There's the hacking at the end of eight. Yeah. Or the middle, the not the end of eight, but the middle of eight, right? But, like, there's... There's not that many other scenes where like there's this many cars in motion. Yeah. 
I, I can't imagine any. What did you notice in this? Because there's no new there's no new clothing. The the music is still the same. It's still the ditch the fuzz. Um, I have a, I have a trivia question we can get to, but like, what did you notice? What did you catch this time around? What what did you pick up sign wise? In minute 24. Oh, I actually have like a fun little tidbit first uh, of a car. There's a ton of cars in this. One of the coolest things, though, is we get the first shot of a police car. And the police car is a 1991 Chevy Caprice. Um, the license plate number is kind of blurry, but I think that I picked it out. I paused a couple times from different angles. And somebody on Internet Car Movie Database commented something that the funny thing is, is in the first scene, it's a Crown Victoria. But when he does the J turn, he turns around and it's a caprice. And so, you know, we always like the little uh, Easter eggs, like Jenny mentioned with Drive with the gauges being zero. Changing yep. cars in the middle of a scene is always fun. Sign-wise, though, we have some cool things. We're still in front of the UAS uh, tire shop, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about this. And I think we mentioned before, across the street was the Hawthorne Municipal Airport. And we see that, like, kind of hangar thing. At the Hawthorne Municipal Airport now, I found a picture... And it looks like that hangar now has, like, a giant Tesla logo over it. Did you open this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's the same one. But also, it's weird, and I can't tell if that's, like, a different hangar in the airport, and they all look the same, or if the airport, like, uh, layout has changed. It's, like, now, you know, it's deeper inside of it, because the streets have changed a little bit since uh, the movie came out. The other thing we see that's important is that Dom drives by President's Apartments, which um, still fully exist, and they're located near 7th Street, which is the sign there. The sign is still on the side of the building, and I linked to it in the Google Maps, so you can take a good look at President's Apartments, and I think that'd be really cool. Can you imagine if we lived in President's Apartments? <laughs> I'd rather live in 1327, but President's Apartments, not a, not a bad, not a bad follow-up. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. All of us and all of our listeners can all get an apartment in President's Apartments. We can live on the same in the same uh, building. That'd be pretty cool. As there's like a lot of cars, and this is another one that's like blurry. So like there is street signs in the background, but like I, they purposely don't focus them, so you can't read them or license plates. And the last tidbit that I noticed this time, a lot of these cars don't have front license plates. Okay. And I feel like front license plates are becoming more common, right? Like I don't think they do it in more common or less common. More. I think I guess I must be biased in this way because front has always been mandated in New Jersey because like I've grown yeah. up with every car around having so like when I don't see one I'm like oh wow me seeing front license plates just like oh yeah that's normal like it's just the it's the way that I see it like I think I told the story on this show before was that when I was driving cross country and I was driving across Kansas I got pulled over by a cop because my front license plate was obscured by dead bugs and I was like oh. I don't know why you're doing this because, like, it's not legally required in a lot of states. Is it re- required in Kansas? If you're from a state like Pennsylvania or whatever, right, where it's like yes. you don't need to have one, like, you don't have to put one on your car if you're in Kansas. Yeah, because you can't get one. I think in California now you need to have front plates. That seems like a thing that you would need to have. I think I see it in a lot of California cars now. I always have this problem. A lot of the times the cars that we get, even though we've moved here, my dad is like, you know, has a rental car place and stuff. So he and all all of his friends have body shops, tow truck drivers, whatever. They find a lot of cars. He'll be like, hey, do you want to buy this car? And it's from Pennsylvania. I buy the car, I bring it here, and it never has a front plate attachment on it. And so I've gotten like in trouble in Connecticut because I have cars that will have a Connecticut back plate, but I won't have the like thing on the front to put the plate on. Right. And then I have to go buy this thing, install the thing and put it on. And like, I've had a cop stop me once and be like, you don't have a front plate. Like here, it's like a $200 ticket. But I did just go buy the like, you know, $20 attachment, put it on 
And then I came to like the hearing thing, the traffic court, and was like, look, I put it on. And they were like, okay, we got rid of your ticket. I feel like in Connecticut now, probably Wells can tell us, but I feel like, I mean, sorry, in California now, it's mandated you have front plates. So it's weird to see all these cars without front plates. And I don't know if that's like a design choice. It also might be a privacy thing for the movie. But they don't even have like the mount. You know what I mean? It's not like... Oh. It's not like they just didn't put it on. It's like, no, they just like purposely like don't... Like, it's not part of the car. So it's weird to me. So my trivia question for this one, I don't know... This is a difficult one. Like, this is something that like I would never know. And I don't think there's any way that you would know unless you're listening to this. Mm. But I don't know what else to ask here. One of the very visible signs in this is the cross street that's 120th street. So I just wrote down... What is the visible cross street bisecting the racing location? 90th Street, 120th Street, Main Street, or Calabasas Avenue, which I don't know if it's a real place or not, but it sounds like a real place. I think, that, I think like, the other street that's right near there is, like, Ventura Boulevard or something. Like, all right, I'll like, I'm sorry, because I was, like, looking through all the maps, but I think that that sounds... Right. No, that's a, I think that's a pretty good question, actually. It's a tough one. It's a wildly tough one. Yeah, and I don't think you'd really, like, ever notice it. The only other thing I can imagine would be, like, what is the model of the cop cars? Both of them are just like, I don't, I'm just going to take a guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. The 120th Street thing is pretty good, though. That's cool. Well, Joe, let's take a quick break. Let us hear Wes's interlude music. And welcome in Cara to talk about Fast and Furious 6. And this episode is brought to you by U.S. Aviation Academy, usaviationacademy.com. They began operations in 2003 with their current owners acquiring the business in January 2006. U.S. Aviation Group operates two divisions, U.S. Aviation Academy, which operates two FAA and CAAC certificates from three training bases, U.S. Aviation Academy. Well, shout out U.S. Aviation Academy with us tonight, taking flight lessons with us. We have had her on all lap. We're going to continue to have her on for another three episodes, four episodes. We have, from Wistful Thinking, Cara Gayla Regan. Hello, Cara. Yo. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to Fast and Furious 6. Now, very important question. You broke my heart last time, and you said you listened to the episode. Did you follow instructions this time and stop as soon as the credits started? Of course. Good. Good. Okay. Okay. So a little bit of the mystery still remains. A little bit. That's the important thing. You only spoiled a tangential point of it. Like, I was thinking about this later and talking to Joey about it, and I'm like, you really didn't ruin the whole thing. Like, Let's not get into it again. I'm disappointed. I mean, there's more to it than what happened, but that's neither here nor there. I just want to make sure. There was like a three-pronged approach, because the next episode that we're doing, the next core installment, the one with Kara, is going to be Tokyo Drift. We are going from this all the way back to Tokyo Drift, and we've never done this before. I think we're going to do it again in two laps with Nico and Kevo, just because I want to see if it, you know, if we can do it in the full entirety. But I am glad that we have saved a little bit of the mystery that was never meant to enti- never really meant to be a mystery when they started the franchise. But we have since yeah. retrofitted to be a mystery. Well, knowing what I know about what happens actually added a little bit to watching this one. I, I'm like, oh. Oh, melancholy. Like, I knew that their love was, you know, fated 
to be doomed. I didn't know how doomed and how soon. I had like this like melancholy towards the beginning of the movie when I see the two of them together like, oh, oh no. I'm a citizen of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you got slammed in the face with that. uh, What the fuck? Death, right? This, it's a rough like Cara, one. Do you it's think a rough she's one. really dead, or do you think she's Letty dead? Because we've established we can bring characters sure, sure, back. Sure, sure, sure. I movie. mean, we didn't see the body. So exactly. It's, uh, anything's possible. Yeah. However, that looked like a way that you would die. Yeah, she got engined. Yeah. So we were looking, and there's no either-or questions left that, you, that apply here. There's none for this one. There's none for Tokyo Drift. We've got some for Seven. We've got some for Fate. And we've got some for Hobbs and Shaw. But for now... There is no either-or question, so we can't learn a little bit more about you through an either-or question. However, we can learn a little bit more about you by your pick for the That's So Brian moment, brought to you by the former podcast. So, Joe, I was talking to our friend Liam Underwood. Yes. Nerd on Nerd podcast. He was on this very fine podcast a couple laps, a couple laps, a couple laps ago. And I was like, I said, oh, I sent him a Criterion video. Like they had this, so this guy made a Criterion video of like scenes, I think from the first like thousand movies or whatever. And I was like, look, this seems on brand for you because he's got the Criterion Crack podcast. Yeah. And he was like, oh, Criterion Crack died. And I was like, no. And I was like, that, really? that is apparently how bad of a friend I am that that did not go. He's like, yeah, I bought all this fancy new podcast equipment and it all went away. Because uh, I knew, we knew, we talked about the, the fall, the rise and fall of Nerd on Nerd, yes. uh, but mm-hmm. Criterion Crack died as well. But I told him that his spirit, his podcasting spirit, lives on through, through, us. through the game that he recommended, the game that he created. That's so, Brian. So, Kara, tell us a little bit about yourself. What would you, what would you pick in Fast and Furious 6? Before we talk about... I want to I do a two-part question. They are completely unrelated. What is your pick for the That's So, Brian moment of the movie? And did you like this movie? Did hyping it up all lap long make you like it as much as we hoped you did or did it fall a little bit shy because we know how high you were on five so what do you think of this movie and what's your pick for that's so brian okay so i'm going to start with the that's so brian question first of all i feel like that needs a theme song like a little jingle that you can play every time i mean if somebody wants to make one we will play it that's so brian cool cool i actually wrote down two most brian moments one is after he and dom go to a pawn shop for some reason and beat everyone Mm -hmm. up inside they're looking for the gun they're looking for the specific right and then they walk out and just very casually as he's walking i'm pretty sure he like steps over a body as he's doing this he like just flips the open sign closed and just says take care guys just so casually And then the other one that was uh, like kind of a runner-up is that he says, "Sorry about this," and then like uh, punches a guy in the dick. He's like, "Again!" Like this has happened multiple times. We've seen this happen <laughs> multiple times. So those are my two. That's so Brian moments. Cool. I wasn't even thinking about it, but I have one that like really registered with me as soon as we like I didn't have one prepared, but I have one in my head now that's definitely like my that's so Brian moment. Dom gets the Letty pictures from Hobbs, right? And then Dom goes to show him to Brian. And Brian's just like instantly dismissive of it. No. Oh, he's, come on. No, he's like <laughs> he's like, I'm a cop. I used to do this all the yeah. time. Those aren't real. Yeah. Dom's like, dude, it's like if Letty's even possibly alive, you know we need to go look for it, right? And then Brian's like I guess. I don't know. I feel like that's the most honest he's been through this entire franchise. Is That's what I mean. It's that's so Brian. Mm, like it's okay. just yeah. Yeah. Look, like I would have lied to you about this and you're like Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Oh, yeah. 
I didn't really see it at, like that. I just like, to me, it just seemed like his gut reaction, but I didn't think about it in terms of like, oh, that's totally something I would do. <laughs> like, that's what he was yeah. thinking. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I was like, oh man, that's a really good Brian moment. Well, before I get, get, get to the ham-fisted second half of the question that I asked Kara, I want to say that that whole thing that, like, I feel like the most Brian character in this movie is Hobbes. I feel like yes, Hobbes is doing absolutely. a lot of things that are early yes. Brian. Like, I think the, hey, I think you're going to want to see this, and then slides the picture of, like, that whole, like, the inception, the beginning of that, I think is a very Brian thing to do. I think the fact that he beats the shit out of fake, that Bozo Vin Diesel, Bozo Dom Toretto, is kind of a Brian move, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that there's a lot that Hobbes is doing here that is imitating, emulating shades of early Brian O'Connor. I still hold, I know that, Carrie, you don't agree with me in that Brian is sort of mellowing out, or at least not as of last movie. I do think that we're getting a new, more mellow Brian fatherhood. We are. Yeah. Treating him well, I think that as he sort of eases into the second half of his life, the second act of his life, I think that we are getting other characters to fill that Brian void. Mm-hmm. Hobbs specifically saying, you know, we need a crew, and then Gina Carano's like, you know, how are you going to get him? He's like, in fact, he's going he's gonna to beg me about Don Toretto. He's going he's mm-hmm. to beg me to join. Mm-hmm. And then like, well, what, what? But like, just the fact that he's so confident, like, oh, I know exactly how to play this guy. I think that's a very Brian moment. And then Brian, again, dismissing, I think, Brian, uh, Joe, what you said about, you know, I used, to do, I used to do all this shit all the time just as a cop. <laughs> just befriending criminals, though. But you know what I mean? Like, at the core of it, just, like, using criminals for help. Yes, it's like, exactly. It's like the most Brian thing you can do, right? Like, that's exactly what the the Brian that is Brian similarly the handshake the Hobbs handshake when he like gets his way through the through sheer force I think it's again kind of manipulating going outside the bounds of what traditional copying normally would Uh, you know using your tools to your advantage but also kind of underhanding a little bit the other cop one is when he breaks Stasiak's nose again. When Brian breaks Stasiak's nose again, I think that's just throwback to classic vintage Brian. Oh, it's he punches him in the nose, not in the dick. Yes. That, okay, yes. that's what I was thinking of. He breaks his nose, because in, in yeah. 4, he broke his nose. And that's why he's like, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Kicking someone or punching someone in the dick is so in the purview of Brian O'Connor yeah. that I didn't yeah. question. Of course. Like, it absolutely could it's, have been yeah, something happened. Yeah, it's the same happened. thing, yeah. I think my, my, my number one pick, though, the final thing that I wrote down, the fifth moment, the That's O'Brien moment, I think it's what at the very, very end, happy ending of the movie, the coda, right? They save the day. They get 1327 back. They're all there for the family barbecue. You know, Hobbs shows up. Hobbs leaves. Yes. They all sit down. Roman yes. takes a bite. And then Brian, classic narc, says, <laughs> he's got grace. House rules, man. House rules. It's like, yeah, bro, narc. relax. Uh, I know that this is a thing. Like, we go back all the way to the first movie where we're like, is this something that they know or that they don't know? Because it's like they're teaching the audience, but they're also teaching Brian what the rules are. But, like, yes. it's just Brian as, like, a goody two-shoes, like, brown nose. You're like, oh, look what he did. Dad, dad, look what he did. Dad, make Roman say grace. Dad, dad, dad. The way that Brian delivers the, like, I would have done this to you as, like, a cop, too. This fits into the, like, Brian's in love with Dom. Like, he doesn't even want her to, he doesn't even want him to get Letty back. You know what I mean? He's like, no, like, she's probably dead still. We buried her. Come on. And he's like, dude, like, that's, like, the love of my life. And he's like, ah. But it's the same thing. Like, he's just like, please, no, don't give anyone else attention. Or like, please just give me all of the attention. Uh, one more moment that occurred to me that's okay. Brian is at the very beginning of the movie, that they are both notably older and more haggard. Like the, the extreme close-ups of his face and Dom's they face. Are. I was like, ooh, yikes. 
something has happened. <laughs> Time has elapsed. And it's only been two years yeah. in real life. Also, I have a question about when this movie is supposed to be happening, but we can get to that later. Right now, everything is in real time. Okay. Like, once 4 happened and sort of changed the way, like, from 4 on, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, Hob- like, Hobbs is a little bit different, because I'm not, I don't know if we really know, Joe, when Hobbs... Takes place. No, there's no, like, a chron- there's no time stamps to, like, even give us clues. Right. Yeah. But 4, 5, it's 6, like, 7, It's like sometime after 8, yes. Hobbs takes yeah, yeah, place, yeah. right? They exist together. Mm-hmm in the same world. Shaw the bad guy in this movie? So, I cannot cannot say. Okay. But Shaw is the bad this guy in this movie. is Owen Shaw. Correct. In this movie. Okay. I don't even know. There are so many Shaws you don't know about yet. <laughs> like, legitimately more Shaws than almost any other every character combined. There are so many Shaws, and they're all wonderful. Like, this is, by far, the, the, the least worst. interesting of the Shaws. Yeah, he's Great. the least Shaw. And he's not, sure. he's not bad. Like, he's fine. He's, he's good. Like, he's no. fine. Yeah, but as far as, like, villains in these movies go, he's, he was a little lackluster. Oh, but just wait. I mean, three's got a cool villain. Seven's got a really cool villain. Eight's got a bummer of a villain. Nine's got a pretty cool villain. All right. Yeah. A big moment. We've been saying all lap long, basically our thesis for this entire thing, in terms of, like, people, how much people like these movies, five and six sort of stand above the rest. They're like one and two on almost everybody's list, unless yeah. you really, really love the early car movies. Five and six are the top two. Do you think, do you agree with that or six? Oh, I wasn't done with my That's So Brian. <laughs> oh, you have another That's So Brian? Yeah, I was getting to it. I just, oh, go. I'm, got, so, I'm, I'm sorry. so sorry. Go, go, no, go. I got a little derailed. It, yeah, so at the very beginning, he and Dom are like racing. And then you find out they were racing to the birth of his child. Brian, <laughs> you're a father now. You can't do this shit. You got to be more cautious. Like, you didn't know that it was almost time for her to give birth, that you guys are, like, dicking around on a mountain somewhere? Well, I'm willing to believe that they were off doing something somewhere else. And then she goes into labor, and then they're like, you know, no one should be driving that fast, first of all. (laughs) Which, true. it's a little late in the franchise for me to be taking a stand on driving too fast. Also, this franchise is called Fast and Furious. Fast. Yeah, no, I was just, I was like, Brian! Come on. So narratively, that is supposed to, I think it's supposed to be like a little bit of a fake out because yeah. at the end of the last movie, Brian and Dom are talking and they're like, they're, we're going to go race. We're going to see who, for once and for all, mm. who the real fastest mm-hmm. After the million is. dollar mile, yes. Brian thinks, you know, everybody told Brian that Dom pumped the brakes to let him win because mm-hmm. he was going to be a dad. That, that movie ends with them like starting the right. race. And so I think this is sort of a, a page out of the Rocky playbook. Literally almost every Rocky movie starts with the end of the previous movie. Right. Two starts at the yes. end of one, three starts at the end of two, four starts at the end of three. And there is, through the mythology of this, there are the three Rocky Apollo fights. There's the one in Rocky 1, there's the one in Rocky 2, and there's the secret one where just them in a gym at the end of three that starts at the beginning of four. And so in Creed, when Adonis shows up to Rocky's restaurant in Philadelphia, he's like, hey, who won that fight between you and my dad for the third time? In the world of The Fast and the Furious, Dom and Brian don't race against each other all that much. They race in the first movie. They race in the fourth movie yes. where Dom taps his fender and spins him out. And then there's the million-dollar quarter mile where Dom lets Brian win. So this is supposed to be, I think, at the end of five, like really – Dom's won most of them, but sometimes he cheated. Sometimes he like let him – whatever. But like this is supposed to be like – Who's it going to be? And so I think the idea here narratively is to get you thinking this is immediately after five. This is the race that we've been waiting for. Like mm-hmm. two years have gone by in real life. Who's going to win this race? And then, spoiler twist, it's the baby. Right. Yeah, don't forget, she was pregnant. That was the whole yeah. point of the last one. <laughs> Reminder. 
However, uh, Elena, not really anywhere to be found in this movie. So She is. I mean, just barely. Beginning. Where the last movie wound up to where we are here, things have happened in the last two years. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the history of the franchise, pretty much everybody, or in the history of the podcast, our short history, basically everyone who has ranked these movies, including me, including Joe, I think, have mm-hmm. five and six as their top two, in some order. Five and then yep. six, six and five. Aside from the people who really love the early movies, five and six kind of stand above the rest. Like Five is where they, they take the franchise to another level, and six is where they kind of blow it up and make it really big. Not saying that seven and eight and everything are much worse, but five and six are sort of head and shoulders above the rest. Do yeah. you agree, or did this fall shy, or is this your favorite by a mile? Where do you fall with Fast and Furious 6? I, I think I fall with everyone else cool yeah it's it's hard to not like really enjoy five and six yeah. so if you liked big explosion fun time then this is like it right like jumping into a plane like that's that's as crazy as you get like did you imagine they were gonna jump into a plane after that last one i was like literally anything can happen who knows yeah yeah you got a tank in this one you jump into a plane i'm sorry did you say they have a tank <laughs> I still feel like what they actually do in five with the the safes is crazier than what happened in this movie. No, really? Yeah, because it's just crazy. Like the fact that it's Killing like civilians. <laughs> well, yeah, um, and don't worry, plenty of civilians died in this one too. But just you know, traveling over land that distance, whereas I feel like that just was a crazy thing they did. <laughs> when I think of this film, I think of one thing, and it's specifically how long the runway is. (laughs) Yes, I was about to say something about that. Surely, like, (coughs) all of these things are happening. Like, we see it sequentially that, like, we see these people doing this thing, and then these people are doing this thing. But surely all of these things are happening at once, and it just seems like it's going on for much longer than it is, right? That's what what it is. Or... Or it's just the longest runway in human history. The joke is that, like, this movie just has the world's longest runway. There's, like, a bunch of memes and stuff about, like, you know, they'll have, like, a picture of Europe. And there'll be, like, a road that travels, like, all the way across Europe. And it's, like, the runway in Fast and the Furious 6, you know? Mm -hmm. Because they're on it for, like, 20 minutes. But, yeah, we could assume that it's all happening at the same time. But the shot is... 20 minutes worth of runwaying for them. A lot going down there. Because what we learned either last lap or two laps ago is this is actually two movies in one. That I think that they had the the, yeah. the action sequence where they're on the bridge with the tank was going to be the end of one movie. Mm-hmm. And then the runway, I think, was going to be the end of the other movie. And they just, for whatever reason, Why combined the two. And they combined the two into this grand scale movie that's kind of a mishmash of two wild different action sequences to end things. There's a reason, I think, that there's a lot of crazy here, because, like, sometimes I feel like, even, I think we've talked about this maybe, like, when you're, you know that the runway is coming, but, like, after there's that tank sequence, and they all go back, and there's, like, that decompression, kind of like the end of five, where it's like, it all right, feels like that's the all end. right, guys, like, we did it, like, cool. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, there's still another 40 minutes of this movie, and still, like, one of the craziest action set pieces in the entire franchise. Yeah, one of the first times I saw this, like, when after we did the tank scene, I was like, whoof. That was a good movie. Good job, Fast and Furious. And they were like, nope, we're going to the runway. I was like, holy shit. Like, how do you have more of this movie still? Yeah, I'm still confused by how much it was. So now, Kara, some very important questions that I'm going to ask my questions first, and then we're going to get to Jordan's as well. Did you, first, speaking of that bridge scene, did you love, did you cry? Did you, how did you feel? What, what kind of feelings did you feel when Dom, you know, takes things on faith and catches Letty in midair? Oh, 
I mean, it uh, hits you in the chest as hard as a 200-pound man hurtling through you. <laughs> like He's like three. He's like Yeah, three, I don't even know. He's huge. Like, yeah. I, can you imagine getting hit with somebody like that? It's like well, no, he tucks you and cradles thing. you like a baby over him. Yeah. And then he mm-hmm. smashes into the car. How do you know there's going to be a car there? I didn't. Some things you just need to take yeah. off. Is that the most romantic <sighs> scene in Fast and the Furious so far for you? I think that's probably no, the most romantic think... scene in Fast and the Furious. Well, I just like Los Bandoleros a lot when mm-hmm. they're like, you know, okay. everyone's yeah. just hanging out and they're like fucking in a cave. I think that's romantic. I think that shows like a brilliant distinction or like that my thought of the most romantic scene would be Dom <laughs> catching her midair with car flight having and sex in a fucking cave. in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> the disparity there is great. Like very yeah. vastly different scenes. <laughs> I was wondering in this movie while watching it this time, because there's a lot of Dom Letty scenes, but really, okay, we sort of completed the, I mean, without spoiling too much, Kara, we've, we've kind of completed the Letty journey. Like, Letty's in the future movies, but, like, Letty is, she, she's sort of back to regular Letty now. Like, we've gone from her getting killed very early in four, being gone yes. all of five, being sort of a villain in six. She's now back with the family, and there's not really more Letty twists. I'm sort of spoiling that a little bit. That said, given that this franchise kind of feels like the Dom and Letty show at times, there's not a lot of Dom and Letty interactions. I feel like it's a, it's a scene that we've talked about a lot, Joe, but when he's explaining her scars to her, I feel he like even though back that's it. not really quite Letty, like it's still Letty is in there, but she's still remembering, I kind of feel like that might be like the Dom and Letty scene. Because it's like the history, it's the intimacy, you know, they're not fucking, but there's all the sexual tension in the world there. Like, it feels like that lengthy scene kind of feels like the moment to sort of define the two of them together. And I want to know your thoughts on that. You're right. It's weird because she doesn't remember it, but you can see that, like, she has some some comfort there. She's playing coy, but it doesn't, she doesn't feel in danger. Like, she still trusts him even though she shouldn't at that moment. So yeah, that is a really good Dom and Letty scene for that perspective. I do like the idea that Dom has to race her memory back into it. We've talked about that. Like, the the act of like him racing her for her to begin to remember is so poetic. I find it kind of invasive. <laughs> but... In a sexy way? <laughs> no, not really. Like, it's creepy, like if she didn't remember him? Yeah, I mean, just put yourself in that situation. Like, yeah. let's say you've had a brain injury or, or or something so traumatic has happened to your brain. It's like, nope, we're just not going to remember anything. And then somebody comes to you and is like, all of these scars on your body that you don't even know how you got. I know how you got them. I don't know. I just, that I don't, I don't like it. I find yeah, it, it, would very be, it definitely would be very creepy if we didn't know that he was coming from, like, the most gentle, loving place. Right. If we didn't have a history where, like, we knew Dom and, like, the character evolution between them, it would be really fucking weird. If we had... If this is the first scene we ever saw Dom in, and he just shows up and starts pointing <laughs> to Letty's scars, you'd be like, this is a sexual predator. Get yeah. him the fuck away from her. But yeah, yeah. I guess if you're seeing yeah. the scene from Letty's perspective, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yes. who is this man? But knowing Dom, and knowing Dom is like the biggest teddy bear in the world, I think there's a different kind of reading for that scene. There's like a certain kind of like ownership implied over, Mm. like the fact that he has so much knowledge of of her, so much more knowledge of her than she even has. There's like a certain power disparity there and like a certain kind of ownership that he seems to feel over her and her body that I'm just uncomfortable with. Now, I guess Interesting. a question would be, in that situation, if you are Dom, and the woman that you love more than anything in the world 
is standing. I mean, it's a fucked up situation. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't know if anyone would know how to act right in that situation. I don't even know how, like, what the right thing is. You know, right? I see your point, but he also doesn't. He never like traps her. Or, like, kidnaps her, right? Like, oh, no, you need to come back to me. He's always like, go ahead, go do your own thing, but, like, know that I know everything. Yeah. Which is creepy in its own right, but at the same time, it's like, if he really wanted to be weird, he could have been like, you're coming with me, we're going home. And she'd have been like, what the Mm -hmm. fuck? To come back from a traumatic event and have no memory of who you are, where you're from, or, like, anything like that is, like, an incredibly vulnerable position to be in. True. And, like, we even see her get sexually harassed by her boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point it was such a passive weird thing to me I've yeah never, like really put myself in her shoes because th- yeah that's interesting so it's just like she she's in a very vulnerable position and on the one hand it's like comforting that like oh well at least somebody knows something about me you know <laughs> fair yeah and then on the other hand you know she exists in this world of criminals who like have have shown her who they are that they're callous and have no concern over them except if they want to treat them like possessions like her boss kind of approaches her in that kind of way yeah everybody's taking advantage of her yeah yeah so just you know and i think that's laid out explicitly here right like that's the very big difference between Mm -hmm. shaw and dom is that there's that whole speech about like you know shaw's like my 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 men my team is replaceable right like it's always the means Mm -hmm. to an end and Tom is like, no, mm-hmm. family's family. And I think that there might be that kind of extreme discrepancy there, both narratively, but also just to sort of highlight, like, in a way, like, kind of how special the family is. You know what I mean? Like, it's that these are criminals, but they're also, there's a code. And I think the fact that, you know, going back all the way to four, you know, Brian's still trying to figure out what his code is, right? Like, it's, yes. he, there, he knows yeah. that there needs to be something more. Like, he can't just be a vigilante, because if you have that, like, what separates you from just, like, you know, a regular person you would put away but here you know just that the the showdown between shaw and dom shaw's like no this means to an end dom's like no like family's family and you know even if letty's not exactly sure who she was i think the choice between these two men both maybe both not perfect both flawed in some way one seems good or at least more good than the other i think kind of clearly sure that makes sense yeah you're right like i would take the the criminal who believes in honor over the criminal that believes in profits, right? Also, it seems like he has funnier friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dom? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, if you're going to get stuck hanging out with a criminal and his friends, like... The other guys are so serious. It's like a job. It doesn't feel right. Well, I feel like because they have no job security. They're just like, oh, no, we could get killed at any point. Yeah, not just job security, but, like, literally their lives are, are expendable. Exactly. They probably don't have benefits or anything. Oh, they definitely care. do not have health insurance. Although, they're in <laughs> Europe, so... They knows? might, yeah. yeah. Things are covered. Things are fine. Fuck. Americans. God damn it. <laughs> like, everywhere else would be like, what are you talking about? You brought up his friends are funnier. We're on the progression now where Roman becomes, as Joey describes it, more of a caricature of himself. How do you feel about the Romanisms in this movie and the move towards being more of a a literal joker? I mean, his buddy comedy with Tej in this movie, like they're, they could have their own spinoff movie of just like the two of them riffing on each other. <sighs> Don't get us all excited. <laughs> I could definitely get into that. The whole thing with the chips, like Han has a bag of chips and then Roman's like, yo, let me get some of those. And then he's all out. And then (laughs) that whole scene made me laugh so hard. Yeah. I, when he shoots the harpoon through the the thing. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, the Nas reveal on that made me oh. actually laugh out loud. You know what the fans want. They, they got to see that Nas. It was truly artful how they integrated yeah. that. Yeah. Do you think like somebody was like in the set design parts? Man, like we're not going to have any Nas in these cars. And like, can we throw a scene in with Nas? And they're like, how about we just like shoot a harpoon made of Nas? Yeah, I love it. I, it actually like ruined it a little bit for me that there was a car Nas application like later in the movie. And I was like, I feel it would have been so much stronger if it was just the just Nas harpoon. Yeah. Now the the big reveal in this movie. Did you see Gina Carano as a uh, as a villain coming when he says? You come and babe, and she says, of course. I mean, not really. I There was something odd about her character, and I wasn't sure if it was just like, is she a bad actress? Because I've seen her do blood sports, but I haven't seen her act in anything Well, before. I've been preaching okay. to Joe, because he keeps calling her fake Ronda Rousey, because he doesn't know how to, <laughs> yes. he, he refuses to learn her name. Gina Carano. Thank you. I keep saying to him, watch Haywire. Steven Soderbergh made Haywire. She stars in that movie. Mm. Incredible. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. She's so goddamn good. I've seen that one. Okay, I'll check that out. I spent this entire movie thinking that Gina Carano was that she was in BoJack Horseman because there was a what there was a character in the last couple seasons named Gina Casador. She's like on this detective drama with BoJack. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was her, but that's just Stephanie Beatrice. Well, I feel like Stephanie Beatrice, not to get completely off tangent here, has completely ch- like shifted the way that like she's viewed in the world because her voice as Rosa Diaz is nothing like her actual voice. <laughs> and so thinking of who she is versus who Diaz, because like, like to, in my in my brain she's Diaz. It might be sim- personality wise, I don't know, but like just voice wise, like the way she presents herself is not that at all. So I have a very wild. Uh, association with her in my brain, but I think that would have been cool. I don't know what else. Gina Carano was in a movie called In the Blood, which is not great, uh, but Haywire is definitely worth seeking out because Haywire is awesome. In you know, in five, they make such a big deal about Hobbs handpicking Elena, right? Like in a city and full of corrupt cops, pick. you know, she's yeah. the only one that he can trust. And I think here, having his handpicked sidekick be a villain is sort of the last thing you would expect. Yeah, I mean, I thought that he would have done his due due diligence, you know, in picking his assistant, but... Yeah, they trust... They, you you have a sense of trust of his judgment now. I... No, not at all. I don't of trust Hobbs? his judgment. No. He, that really? is a person with very bad judgment. Are you kidding me? Why? Are you kidding me? He's He just will willingly shoot people at point-blank range because they're, like, in his way? And literally they're everything criminals. that guy does is a war crime, at least. <laughs> He's above the law. Yeah, that's a person with poor judgment. His his judge of character, his moral compass no, seems okay. His, his moral compass is all sorts of a cocktail. I don't know what his deal is, but... Nah. That's what the sense that I get, especially coming from the last movie, that, like, he let Dom and Brian get away because he has, like, a code. He handpicked Elena. She was the only good cop in Rio. Like, we're, like they were establishing that, he, like, although he might do interesting things that you might not agree with. <laughs> extra ju- judicial things. Extra judicial things. He's, like, a good judge of character. So, it's interesting that you say that, which made me think that maybe, I still don't think that he's a good judge of character at all, but I think that his encounter with this crew has kind of scrambled his compass, which he previously thought was impervious to influence, you know? And he had this very 
good guys, bad guys, black and white, black and white thinking that you need to have to have a job like that. Exactly. Now he's realizing that like, oh, just because people do crimes doesn't make them bad. You know, so he's seeing these shades of gray and that can get people really confused if what if they're used to operating in such a black and white world. That's Brian's arc, right? Like, yeah. Brian starts out the exact same way. He's like, I'm a cop. They're bad. And then he's like, oh, there's some gray in here. And so like Hobbs is just kind of like following that like criminals can be good guys too. Mm-hmm. Karen, did you like Hobbs any more in this movie i know that you were not really a huge fan of his character of the rocks character hobbs in five did you like him more is he more of a person to you now or is he still low in your he's favorite actually less of a person really <laughs> he's less of a person okay. he's Why? such a cartoon character like the way that well, he's he able to like rock. jump and like do all of these crazy things and he's just so exaggerated but like personality wise even personality wise yeah it just no i fuck that guy still. well in seven <laughs> something will happen where you will be like oh he's actually a person then in eight and beyond he's really much more animated and more of a character and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i think there's a market jump from five to six i can still see where you're coming from but i think that there's where he was to where he is now i think it's much more he's he's more well i think that both the way that the rock is Actor. portraying him yeah, and the way that they're writing yeah. him i feel like is less of a two-dimensional character i don't want to say he's maybe fully three-dimensional yet but i feel like where he came from you know old old testament like you were yeah. saying joe to being where he is yeah. now i feel like there's there's a shift, there's a growth there, for sure. At least in my eyes. It's slightly more dimensional, sure. All right, we're going to go yeah, to the phone like lines. It. Real quick question for you. Jordan wants to know. Actually, this is something that she talked about on her lap, and I feel like we tried to... I, I feel like I have an answer, but I don't know... It definitely did not satisfy Jordan. She wants to know, in the first sequence, right? Like, in the, the movie starts, Hobbs and Gina Carano are in Russia, right? And they see the car in the building. They interview yes. Bobo Dom Toretto. They're like... We mm-hmm. need Shaw. Hobbs says, I know exactly the crew. They bring in our family. Family goes and they try to take down the, the racers. Jordan is still looking for an answer. Why do they need our family to help in that case? I have an answer. But before I taint your mind with my answer, I want to know what you think. Like, aside from just the fact that, like, this is a Fast and Furious movie. They need to be like, why? Why do they need to call in? Our, our family for this specific case. Specifically these criminals, yeah. Because it's a Fast and the Furious movie and they all need to be in it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. Joe, have you thought I any more been... about this? Do you remember talking about this with Jordan? I do, and it's because he says, like, they're the only people that are as hard to find as Shaw is. It's kind of the, like, to be the guy, you have to catch the guy type of thing. Or, you're like, you have to catch the guy, you have to be the guy. Right. Type, you know what I mean? Like he like needs the mindset of the criminal hiding to find the criminal hiding. So he's like, oh, let me go get these guys, and then they'll just instantly know where he is. I think that's part of it. I think there's three parts. I think that's number one. Go ahead. I think number two okay. is they need a crew that is. Well, I guess there's four parts really. Number two is they need a crew that is good with cars. He's good with cars. Exactly. Yeah. There's clearly something going on here that the car winds up in a building. The whole beginning of this movie is a fake out to be like, oh. Dom was arrested. This is our crew. Something's going wrong, right? But no, it's just another yes. thing. But this crew, number two is this crew is good with cars. They need another crew with cars. Number three, it's something small, but I think that these guys kind of sort of owe Hobbs a favor. True. That's a good point. Yeah, they do. He has one in the bag with them. I think so. But too. I think the slam dunk yeah. obvious number one answer is Letty is with Shaw, and he knows he can use that leverage to get this family in. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, right? 
that's it. Yeah, he's like, oh, they owe me a favor, but then, plus, if I show them Letty's in it, they're gonna do it without even me coaxing them or, try, like, forcing them to do like, it. Like, they might yeah. not be yes. the number one most qualified group, but in terms of all the things that they are, like we just listed, they check all those boxes, and the fact that Dom will do whatever it takes to get Letty back. Yeah, they're the best fit. Exactly. They're not the most Leverage. qualified, but they're the best fit. That yeah. makes plenty of sense. Yeah, I totally forgot. I mean, like, and he shows up with the Letty pictures, so he knows that she's there. Yeah. Well, we know it's that perfect. he knows that at the end of the last movie because of the exactly. credit sequence. Except we don't. Well, because you're supposed to forget because it's two years between. I did forget, so. <laughs> <laughs> and it was two, it was two weeks, weeks between. Yeah. yeah. It was a very good question, and I'm glad we sussed that out. I think that that's a very succinct answer. And I don't, I mean, again, I don't know how much she'd like it, but that pretty much encompasses all of it, and that's, I can't come up with anything else or better than that. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned Letty before, but I think that's the obvious, like, that's why. Like, that's it's, the key. That's the cornerstone right? of it, yep. Like, in the Pepe Sylvia map of the, of Hobbs in his office, like, who can we get here? Like, it's just, like, Letty's picture is in the middle, and in there's the strings all yeah, around. Every string, yep, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I guess two of Jordan's questions can be summed up by what about this movie made you cry? Because there's two things you want to know if you if specifically if you cried about, but let's talk about what made you cry in this movie. Yeah, so I definitely cried when I forget when exactly it was, but it was Han and Giselle who who actually got a name in this one. Did you notice they actually said her name when she died? Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I see Giselle at least one other time earlier in the movie too, but yes. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, she died and they finally said her name. Yeah, somewhere early in the movie, maybe when they're talking about like going to, thinking about settling down or maybe going to Tokyo or whatever. And I was like, oh, these two extremely hot people aren't going to get to follow their dreams together because at least one of them is going to die. Who knew it was going to be But spoiler, yeah. yeah, it got flipped it did flip the script on you yeah and I'm so flipped. i definitely died at the or i definitely died i definitely <laughs> cried at the end when she died mm-hmm. i was probably already crying because when he was like don't worry i got you i cried a lot at the end okay it was just like a rolling cry through the end well the scene that i, I said to joe and like there's a new part of this movie like, i don't know if this movie has ever made me cry Maybe. I don't know. It's 50-50. It's on the board. It's on the cusp. I don't remember. But that scene that you were just mentioning when they're like, you know, everything goes well at the bridge and they're like, we're going to go to Tokyo. And I was like, they're never going to have that. Like, I knew that before, but something about that Mm -hmm. melancholy here, that word that you used before, Carol, like that was just something that this time I was just like, ah, shit, like it's not going to happen. I cried when they got back to the warehouse after they like retrieve Letty. Mia sees her and starts crying and that made me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever see this tweet that's like husband takes track of like all the times wife cries and writes them down and it's like realizes penguins can be gay like realizes she's not a gay penguin seeing Letty seeing Mia cry because she sees Letty come back made Oh cry. seeing other people cry is actually like one of my biggest crying triggers triggers really yeah. Oh, oh yeah man. yeah I don't know what it's like sort vomiting of like weird mirror neurons yeah that i just like i see somebody cry and then i'm like oh god um also i just find like reunions very powerful in general so yeah i get yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. okay but now the I'm cry done. by association i like that's a, yeah. a transitive cry <laughs> transitive cry another one that jordan specifically wanted to know about was whether you cried when dom gives that speech to letty that we were talking about before the scar the one. Creepy yes. one i don't know i might have been crying just because I thought it was creepy doesn't make me cry. 
Um, I don't feel entirely that it's creepy. Like, it's also very intimate and very touching. It just... If you think about it from outside. Or not from outside, from inside, just from the other person's perspective. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. On the flip side, Jordan's... Do you know know Jordan's favorite moment or favorite line? It's it's both things. Favorite moment, favorite line from this movie. I don't know. Hmm. We need more alphabets. No, it's not that. That's a good line. Her favorite moment in this movie, at the very, very end when they're at the barbecue, and yeah. Hobbs shows up, and Roman says, better hide the baby better oil. Hide baby oil. And Hobbs improvs, <laughs> you better hide that big-ass forehead, and Tej does a gigantic spit take. <laughs> it's up there for Jordan. I, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but it's up there for Jordan in terms of, like, favorite movie things alongside hot dogs. Like, it's... Oh, wow. She loves this scene. I love scene. a spit take. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful scene. I, I think it's top tier. It's probably, like... One of the only ones that still gets me to laugh out loud in a Fast and the Furious, like the like really hits every time, <laughs> like that level of comedy. Like every time I see it, I'm just like, oh fuck, and I laugh. Yeah, I love in that scene how Dom and Hobbs like cannot look at each other while they compliment each other. Mm-hmm. They're just like standing there, staring straight ahead, but like you know, just standing far enough apart that. St- Staring straight ahead, it means that they're not actually looking at each other and being like, that was pretty good, that thing you did. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie, Hobbs goes and finds Dom, and it feels like they're not even talking to each other. Like, yeah. if, you, if you separated the conversations, like, they're not responding to the other per. He's like, there's no extradition here. And he's like, I'm not here to extradite you. He's like, it's been a long time. <laughs> and he's like... He's like, like, are you fucking listening, Dom? Like, you're not even hearing anything that this man is saying to you. They shot it on separate days. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what it, it really feels disjointed. I think the only other question that she really has is, how long, what do you think the time span, the time frame of this movie from start to finish is? Oh, Ooh. who knows? Maybe a week? I, three days? I don't even think it's a week. I think it's way shorter than a week. Interesting. No, I think, it, I, th- I would say about a week. Because there's there's some traveling involved. Yeah, Brian has to go to prison. He comes back. <laughs> I completely to America. forgot least... about that part. Oh my god! And we'd assume that the prison that he goes to is in California, right? Oh, it, 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 yeah. it definitely is. Yeah. Okay, so that's like at least a fucking nine hour, hour flight. flight. Yeah. No more yeah. because you know, like from you're right. London it's probably eleven. I think it's eleven. If it's nonstop, Coast. it's eleven. So okay, so it's a day to get there and back. That's a whole day. Without even, you know, fighting through prison, stuff like that. I feel like the interesting thing is that aside from the travel, this basically all takes place. Like, if you if you remove the travel, it's like 18 hours. Like, everything that happens mm-hmm. is, like, all, like, very compressed. It's just that there's a little bit of time in between just to sort of necessitate getting information from Braga, getting everybody to London. But I feel like the action all there, like, once they're, once the ball is rolling... I think it's all very, very quick and very all, you know, tightly tightly wound, tightly knit. Yeah, that would make sense, though. You know, chaos would happen sure. like, in one giant bunch. If I could circle back around to my question about when this happens, mm-hmm. when they go to the car party in this one, because there's a car party in every movie, mm-hmm. apparently. With Rita Ora. <laughs> you mean the sale with Tej It's a car Hobbs? party with car skanks, No, Rita, right? the Rita Ora, not the car, not the car sale. The, uh, oh. It's, it's, the pre, okay. it's the prelude. It's when Dom and Letty race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pre-race, okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought the car party was you were talking about. They were like when they when Tej goes and <laughs> buys all the cars, but not not okay. No, it's like when everyone shows up with their cars and the ladies. Okay, and just the the women are dressed 
very oddly. Why? What, what was odd about them? This well, the, well they're English women. Well, that is the only explanation then. If this doesn't like somehow take place in the future or something, because they're all just dressed very odd. I didn't write anything in particular down. Kara, this is London, like, is this... baby. Yeah, London, baby. It's Rita Ora. Rita Ora. Were we talking about it with you? Where you said is the, it? Did it look like Rita Ora was in one of them or something? And we were like, she is eventually. Because mm. oh, oh no, we were. T- this is sorry. That was Joey and I when we were talking about everybody complaining that Cardi's going to be in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like complaining. Well, about that she's wonderful Tara I don't think you understand the mindset of most Fast and Furious not our listeners our listeners are on board with whatever nonsense we have we posted that the Cardi B is going to be in the Fast and Furious franchise and it was just hate we've never it was like these uh, movies have gone to shit now we've never posted a thing that was more liked commented shared than that thing and almost all of it was negative and it was everybody being like they ruined the whole franchise and we're like bros like Rita Ora was in these movies. Iggy Azalea's <laughs> in these movies. Like, how do you not understand that, like... Also, it- if you saw Hustlers, Cardi B is a fucking movie star. Like, yep. she's so charismatic on I haven't screen. Seen it yet. Oh, my God. It's my favorite just, movie about to this year. It. It's so good. Oh, damn. Yeah, Joey said great things. You said great things. Okay. I, I mean, it. talk about crying. I cried through most of it. <laughs> It's a movie about stripper criminals, and you cried? Because it's a very powerful movie about uh, okay. uh, women's friendship, Fair. terrible economic prospects. and You're like, Joe, you're yeah, not going to no. cry. I don't cry at much. It has to be like a dead dog or like mm-hmm. a Pixar movie. That, that's what gets me. I guess on the subject of Rita Ora, and I guess on the subject of London and people like being in the future or whatever, like fashion notes, question mark? That was the fashion. Yeah, she was bringing it up. They were dressed weird. That's yeah, only about. but only in that scene. Nothing else really stood out to me. I'm look. I I'm just doing a Google image search now. Yeah, I'm not finding any. I remember pictures. lots of really short skirts in this one. Yeah, but I mean, not shorter and than like they leather. were in the last movie where they did not cover butts. Yeah, that's true. It was like just like English stylies. Yeah, just like British streetwear, I guess. You had said that the costume designer did most of the Fast and the Furious movies, but not all of them. Is this one of the ones that she didn't do? No, I think she did this one. No, I think it's like oh. all of them through like Hobbs and Shaw, maybe or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine which ones she didn't do. I just, I think we just don't have it confirmed that she did Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, well, I found a YouTube clip called "Fast and Furious Six Sexy Scene." What is the sexy scene? Can you just like tell us which scene it is? It's got to be the, the describing the scar scene. Yeah, it's the car yeah, okay. car party okay. scene. Okay. Okay. So costume designer Sonya Hayes, Sanja Hayes, yeah. did the first one. She did Too Fast. She did Tokyo Drift. She did Fast and Furious 4. She did Fast 5, Fast and Furious 6, Furious 7. She did not do Fate. She did not do Hobbs. But she's on, okay. back on board for 9 and 10. Yeah, just a lot of short skirts and stuff. I don't know why I thought this was like particularly weird. But no, there's there's really no clothing notes for this movie, which is why I thought maybe it wasn't her. I become very desensitized to it. Like, you know, you know what it's going to be. They're just going to like, they're just going to match it to like whatever city that they're in. It's just that the first one was so strong in that department and maybe not in any the of the nostalgia. other departments. <laughs> you got a little, you got a little nostalgia tickled. I, I think. do. Yeah. I mean, you were asking me like, is this one at the top of the list? And like, yeah, but at the same time, that first one, man. Yeah. It, I had it, it's like an honorable mention for number one, even though it's like closer to number four on the list, probably. I have one other major note about this movie, and I think that this is something that's going to. I don't want to talk about it too much. I don't want to spoil what's to come, but I feel like there's. Okay. We, I think we've talked about the the sense of this. There's a line in this movie that kind of takes the movie from sort of being standalone stories that follow a character to being 
a through line of a narrative, I think. Okay. And it is what about is an hour into the movie. You? We find out that Giselle says, we got something big. Braga is working with Shaw. And I think that we've talked a lot about how Braga fits into the overall narrative and then how Shaw fits into the overall narrative. And these yes. sort of seemingly standalone villains are now part of the same organization or same network, network or whatever. There's this one line, and it's not like a throwaway line. They go back to Braga, they find out the information there, and that's when they find out that, like, Shaw only wants you close to him when, they, when he thinks blah, 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 whatever, right? I think that there's something casually kind of amazing about that, whether it was intended... Linking, linking Braga back. Yeah, to really blow up, if they had the sort of the six, seven, eight, whatever plan, whatever it was going to be with, you know, if Paul Walker had not died... But I feel like it's in that one line that we're just like, oh, like this is bigger now. It's sort of like a noteworthy, like it's 55 minutes in, I think. There's like a noteworthy pivot point where it's like this went from being one thing to something else entirely. And I think that that's a very cool, like I feel like it's hard. And maybe just because we're so close to this, we've seen so many of these so many times. I feel like it's hard to notice that kind of pivot point in a lot of other franchises, right? Because it's like, where does it go from being about characters to about this overall kind of narrative that's the turning point that this becomes one narrative for the next you know through Hobbs and Shaw right like that's it yeah and beyond once you link those two this is where we can start like world building that is that's an interesting point and it's something that's weird because you only see it in hindsight we don't know if that was intended to be a throwaway line like you're saying or if they had the foresight to throw that in there because we talk about things like the chain right the chain was in there is this one of those things like when we were talking to um walt it's like he says like oh you put a lot of these things in a movie and then you can like re reattach onto them but like that one seems too intentional for me we'll have to see how uh, kara feels about it in the future as we watch them but i think i was just yeah i think i was just struck by the like the weight the monument the, the size like the the impact the meaning of that one line and what that's going to mean yeah. for the next handful of movies and really for the rest of the franchise. Like, again, whether whether they knew how big it was going to go or whether they had to sort of backtrack and change things when Paul Walker died, I don't know. There's something really kind of special, I guess, is the only word that I can think of, like, about that line. What was the line? We got something big. Braga is working with Shaw. Basically saying oh, okay. the villain from two movies ago is tied into the, movie, the villain in this movie. On a completely different note, when he shoots the harpoon through the vending machine, they had regional snack favorites of all of them. <laughs> really? I saw some weird labels in there, yeah. Yeah, there was, like, some American snacks. There was definitely Japanese snacks. So, like, they had curated the vending machine nice. full of snacks that they individually liked. And I was like, damn, so, like, was Tej, like, filling this? Like, nobody's, like, stacking a vending machine like that. And, like, if you ordered one, it would just be, like, all English snacks, right? Because you're, like, Mm -hmm. in England. But, like, no, they had, like, nice Japanese snacks that were, like, shrimp-flavored and, like, some American candies and, like, stuff like that. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I was like, oh, man, I wish somebody would, like, curate a vending machine for me. That would be, like, all of my favorite snacks and what would go in it. And what would be, like, the one snack that would be, like, your signature snack in your vending machine? Ooh. Oh, that's such a good question. So if we were a crew, there's the vending machine. You know it's going to have, like, the staples, right? But, like, I'm putting the vending machine together. You're like, man, the one thing that I would want in this vending machine is Well, this. so the my go-to at a gas station, like, the one thing that every gas station has that I know, like, I almost exclusively only get at gas stations, because if I got it any other time, I would gain so much weight just because, like, I just, they're so bad for you, but I just can't stop eating them. So I get them when I just stop to get, like, a drink and this, P. 
pizza flavored pretzel combos. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. they are uh, so good. zero nutritional I value, know. all fat, None. all carbs, all just bad for you. But the flavor, the salt, like, if you smell them, all of it, oh yeah, but you, it still doesn't matter. If you smell them from a weird distance, they smell like dog food. Yeah, <laughs> pizza flavored combos, pretzel flavor though. Yeah, not the cracker flavor, the pretzel. Pretzel outside yeah, pizza. Yeah, the pretzel ones. Definitely the pretzel ones. Yeah, yeah the green sure. bag, the white oh, with okay. the green stripe. Yep, exactly. And then also, you know, if you got a drink, yeah, if you if there's a drink vending machine, you got to get that Arizona iced Arnold tea, Palmer. the Arnold Palmer. And light. the can. Yeah. The ninety nine cent price on the yeah. can though. But I don't think they put those in machines because like the cans are too thin. Well, it's non-standard size. Yeah, true. But you could probably get like a special Arizona. Yeah, Joe, if, vending you're, machine. if you're custom curating this vending machine for us, get one that's that fits the can. Hey, don't be a d- dick about like I'm already buying the vending machines <laughs> and stocking them. Like I'm not buying some getting special can sizes for you. Just drink the bottle. Don't be an asshole. All right, all right. Okay. No, oh, cans are so much better. I, I agree. Mine, the can of Arnold Palmer. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I I would absolutely need ice cold cans of Diet Coke. At all times. Oh, Rachel's with you. She does love canned Diet Coke. Yes, it's a medicinal beverage. Okay. Snacks? I don't know. Something salty. Probably Cheez-Its. Those are usually my go-to. Or just like potato chips. Ooh, salt and vinegar potato chips. Kettle? I'm pretty agnostic about the uh, brand. (sighs) Just give me that salt and vinegar. I, I get it. I get it, though. I'm thinking, like, for me, there's a regional chip that... Is only is only in like Pennsylvania. Is this what I had at the barbecue that one time? Yes, the Snyder of Berlin, not Snyder of Hanover barbecue potato mm-hmm. chips, and they're just like all MSG, and they're so fucking good. And like, actually, I get my mom to send me some. That's what I ask her to send me for my birthday. That's what I would want in the vending machine. I'd be like, that is a snack that like was handpicked for me. It's hard to describe like, them, Tara. Like they, they're just they're just they're barbecue just potato, potato chips, chips, but they're. Five percent better. Yeah, okay. they're like flavor blasted barbecue potato chips. Salt bar- blasted barbecue potato. Yo, chips. you could just get like a whole vending machine of potato chips, just different flavors. Yeah. Regional, different internationality flavor, like different yeah. international flavors would be nice. There was awesome. this Lay's like experimental flavor. This is probably like ten years ago, but it was like a X. Two seven nine kind of like title okay. to it. I had like this black bag. They tasted it, and I shit you not, they tasted exactly like Big Macs. They were so uh. good. When I was in Toronto last year, Canada is crazy with their chips. They're just like, let's just make chips that taste like everything. And like, I've had hamburger, mm-hmm. ketchup. like ketchup chips. Yeah, Ke- there's ketchup, but like, there's like cheeseburger, there's taco, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But like when it works, it's like this shouldn't be good, and it's not really good, but like. How'd you do this? <laughs> yeah, man. But you know, I applaud them for for putting the you know doing all that work there. So, who boy? I would also want chocolate chip cookies in the vending machine. Famous Amos, maybe mm, um, chip you know, Ahoy I, or Famous Amos. I'm really more of a Chips Ahoy girl. No, oh, Famous Amos always. <laughs> Jeez. I would also maybe want some donuts. The little like the oh. host like the powdered white donuts or the chocolate frosted with the, with chocolate the yellow cup. cake inside. Yeah, I'll t- I'll take either. Okay. I, my preference oh, is for I the got... chocolate frosted, but I'll go to town on some white. The powdered ones. are good, man. Yeah. I like the powdered, the small powdered ones. Those are good. Yeah. Wow, we got a, like a really nice <laughs> snack tangent. Yeah. Oh, related. Was so I was watching them uh, drive around at some point when they were driving fast. That one part in the movie where they're driving fast, okay. That one part in this one movie. I was just sitting there thinking about, I wonder if they ever have to take a shit while they're driving. Because not only the actors or the are characters? they like, 
the characters like not only are they under like incredible amounts of pressure but they're also like driving super fast which like vibrates your butt and might make you have to poop oh yeah you you're know? right they, they must have like really good digestion because they're like constantly <laughs> shaking their yeah colon. i don't know about you guys but i would have to take a pit stop or two we take one after every episode <laughs> <laughs> And right as I was thinking about that was when Letty showed up and shot Dom in the chest. Yeah. She and I was like, whoa, right okay, that'll shake you out of your shit-related do you think he pooped him? Do you think he pooped himself when she shot him? He might have. If you have a favorite snack, please write in to family <laughs> at cageclub.me. What snack would be in the vending machine for you? It can be general and smell like dog food like Joey's or regional and wow. exquisite like mine. Wow. It's um, not our fault that we're from New Jersey <laughs> and we don't have any culture. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Rachel loves the pizza combos too, dude. Uh, and I've eaten my fair share of them. I just said sometimes from a certain distance, they smell like dog food. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really care true. what they smell like because I know that they taste delicious. That's all I know. It's just such a weird thing because like the flavor is good. But like if, if somebody's eating a bag like in a, in like directly next to you, you're like, is that dog food? One second you're like, oh no. And then you put one in your mouth. You're like, oh yeah, this is okay. That's good. <laughs> Any other thoughts about Fast and Furious 6 before we have one? We have a card guessing game. We have to play the Twitter game. Um, anything else you want to get off your chest? Anything else you want to say about Fast and Furious 6 before, remember, next time Kyra's on, we're going to go back to Tokyo Drift. So which is another oh. nice little benefit of this, show is that we got a short movie coming up. we got two long movies. We do. And now we got a short movie. We broke it up nice. Yeah, it feels nice to know that Tokyo Drift is coming up next. I kind of like this order. I do, too. A lot. I really do. I didn't think that I would, and we've never watched it in this order, but I really enjoy it going like, ah, okay, cool. Like, now we go to Tokyo. And he keeps talking like, we're going to go to Tokyo. Giselle's like, you want to go to Tokyo? He's like, I'll be there eventually. And then we're like, here, now we're going to Tokyo. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, any other thoughts about Fast and Furious 6, Kara specifically? No. Well, first up, this ain't no 10-second race, a.k.a. boy, do we have a podcast for you. This is where we go on Twitter.com and we find tweets from some of the fine folks who grace us with their tweet presence. So before we go to new tweets here, we're going to go back to last episode. We're going to review what we each guessed last time. So I'm going to go here first. I found Katie Babs at CI Babs, my God, Paul Walker in Varsity Blues, crying into a pool of tears emoji. And Deep Blue, and Fast and Furious, and Joyride, and Eight Below, and She's All That, and Takers, and Brick Mansions. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Podcast for you. Of course not. I mean, I am bad at this game. Mm. Joe, you found Zero G Spot at Zero G Spot. When I go to Vegas and think I will bet it all on red or black in one shot, my conscience is like some anime meme of a guy getting slapped in the face with dollar bills. Boy, do we have a podcast for you nothing Kara, mm. you found gus at gm corsero interesting how people like all these fake quote quirky relationship tweets but ignore mine when i'm honest about last girlfriend leaving me because i am quote too passionate about fast and furious franchise <laughs> it reminds me of letty leaving dom in fast and furious boy do we have a podcast, a for, podcast you. for you, and I'll be goddamned if Kara didn't get another point. GM Corsero liked oh, the game. Oh, yes, it. I'm so good at this game. Oh, this is God. She's, she's killing Kara is I've up never to been good at a game eight before. Eight points, so one behind me now. But again, Jesus. this is like a three or four episode streak. Like, this is an unprecedented streak. I mean, 
Carol, you might not pass Joe, because Joe got really, like, he had, like, eight points on one tweet. Like, it was just, like, he basically, one tweet he sent, the guy responded, he liked it, whatever. Like, it just, it was so many points that I don't know that that one tweet will ever be topped. You're, like, the, the streak that you're currently on, I think it's three, is, I, I can't even, I, I don't even know how to describe, like, it's the, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the show. <laughs> yeah, you're just on a roll. I'm really it's good amazing. Twitter. All right. Or not Apparently. really, but kind of. All right, so let's now go here. I want you all to find a tweet. I'm going to find a tweet now, too. Oh, I got it. Oh, my God. Okay. This one, it kind of for Kara. I'm going to post it here. It's from Thick and Confused at the Jungian, J-U-N-G-I-A-N thing. It's a car party on my street right now. <laughs> Thick and Confused, boy. That might actually be the Jungian thing. Carl Jung. Carl Jung. Psychiatrist. Psychologist. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. It's a car party on our street right now. All right. Damn. Ah, that's a good one. All right. I've got uh, a handful of ones that I'm trying to figure out which which one I want to do. I'm still looking. Although the good ones I'm finding are from 2013. So what I did, Joe, is I searched Ford v. Ferrari Fast Furious. And here's a couple different ones that I found. I think I'm going to go with... I'm going to do two, but I'm going to count one of them. This is the one that I'm not going to count. And knowing my luck, uh, it's going to work. Uh, Tyson Jominy, at Tyson underscore Jominy, just like Fast and Furious, the real show at Ford v. Ferrari is in the parking lot outside the theater. Right, guys? Boy, do we have a podcast for you. podcast for you. He's having lot lot bangers? Jeez, it's a car party in the the parking lot. Here's the one that I'm going to do because this is my favorite one. Kenny Keel at Kenny Keel. Ford v. Ferrari is fast and furious for people with NPR totes. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Read that to me again. Ford v. Ferrari (laughs) is fast and furious for people with NPR totes. That's hilarious. Boy, do we have a podcast (sighs) for you. You got me. That's a good one, dude. Fuck. I don't think they'll respond, but that's a really good tweet. That's actually, like, I just want to go retweet that for my own page, because that's fucking beautiful. That's so poetic. I might re- I'm going to retweet it as as 2F2F. Yeah, please? Like, that's really good. Because it is, uh, boy oh boy. That's top tier. Like, that's comedic genius. It's just so, it's just like so to the point, and you see it, and you're like, yep, yep. yeah, that is. You're right. God, that got me. Good job, Kenny Keel. Almost certainly not, it's not going to work, but... It's a fucking It's a, it's a great tweet, tweet so... The next thing because it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I found a tweet. <laughs> uh, it's, man, it's not great for this format, this being an okay. audio format, because it does include this video clip. Kiki Palmer, okay. who was in Hustlers, somebody showed her a picture of, like, Donald Rumsfeld or someone. Dick Cheney. I don't, it was Dick maybe Cheney. Dick I'm sorry Cheney. for this man. Yeah, and okay. she was like, I'm sorry to this man. I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. It's one of those tweets that's in that uh, meme format. Nobody call, call in, you know, and then it's blank. And then <laughs> Letty, when she first sees Dom in Fast and Furious 6, colon, this video clip. I am sorry. I don't know who this man is. I have never seen him before in my life. I am sorry to this man. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. really good, too. You guys multimedia really action. You guys found some good ones. Boy. Do we? Well, I gotta keep my streak up. Podcast you know? for you. Wonderful. So those are off into the void of Twitter. The next game we have, dude, what's my car? Joe, we, we are we obviously already opened the the mailbag for this episode. Obviously, right? Like, I mean, definitely. we definitely did the first yeah. part before the second part. So I just exactly. don't remember if people send in car picks, but I think this is the the last car pick that we have. 
So unless somebody sends one in, I mean, unless someone sent one in this episode or the next two, we might not have one next time. But we have one more Send at us least. more. I like this game. Kara told us that she wanted to help me give clues once again. This car pick okay. comes from Nick Burris. This okay. is an American car. Thanks, Nick. And it's an American car unlike any that we have ever guessed for this game before. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. I don't even know if I'd call it a car. Oh. oh. This one is hint, definitely... Hint, hint. I want to search what this... There's words on the side. There's words on the car? Oh, okay. So it's from a, it's from a road show that the okay. manufacturer of this car put on. Like, Carrie, you, you see okay. the, the words that are under the, the mm-hmm. make and then on the other side? That's the road show that this manufacturer put on. Yeah. So it's not the Wienermobile. No, but visually no, not far off. <laughs> looks more like the Wienermobile than any other car that we've ever had before. Oh, it God. is a red car. Okay. It's a red With car. some silver and with some white on there. Silver and white. Red car. Okay. It kind of looks like a fire truck. It's not like a Red Bull car. It's like if the like fire truck, one. if like a fire truck and the Wienermobile had a baby. Mm-hmm. It okay. would be this. And also a 1950s refrigerator because this car is from the 50s. <laughs> I was going to okay. say maybe like a VW bus, but also a 1950s refrigerator does it. it a car company did a roadshow or a product company did a roadshow? A car show? company. A car company did a roadshow. I want to search specifically what this car is. It's from the 50s. It's a custom vehicle. Yes. Styled in the 40s. Okay. An integral, it's an integral part to this company's, the, the roadshow. I'm not going to say the name of it just in case you know it. A North American okay. traveling exhibition promoting future cars and technologies. Joey just sent me the Wikipedia link. Like, I'm not always, already like three quarters of the way through I'm it. just trying to help. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this this car company does a roadshow exhibiting future technologies. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they have this traveling car that's red and silver. Mm-hmm. It looks like a refrigerator and almost like the Wienermobile. And also a fire truck. And also it's American. a diner. It's American... <laughs> also a diner. Also a, yeah, diner. Yeah. also a diner. And it's an American car company. Yeah. yeah. It's it's now... It's now an all sorts of stuff company. I don't want to say more than that because it's going to kind of give it away. Interesting. The roadshow was in 1940 and 41. And then again from 53 to 56. The one that we're guessing now is from the latter group from 53 to 56. Do you want to give you some facts? 33 feet long, ahead, 8 feet wide, 11 feet tall, weighing more than 12 tons. Each of these cars okay. featured heavily stylized Art Deco, streamlined bodywork, deep red side and white roof paint, large articulated chrome side panels, a military-grade 302 cubic inch, a straight-six gasoline engine, an automatic transmission, white wall tires, and a prominent, high-mounted, centrally located driver command position with a panoramic windshield. Center command position. So there's like one seat in the front. Is it like a Winnebago company? Is it like RV National no, or something? No, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest car companies in the world. It is. There were only 12 of these ever. One was destroyed in an accident. And as of 2007, okay. nine still survived. Nine of them still exist. Yep. It's still one of the biggest car companies in the world, but it makes other things easier. No, Well, it's kind of a parent company It was company one of the now. biggest. It's kind of the parent company of the car company. There are seven brands that this company owns. And it's a... Uh, I mean, it's an American classic. Yeah, I like. I want to like make an educated guess. Like, I don't just want to like run down the line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing I'm thinking of right now is Daimler Chrysler. I would say oh, they, those are small potatoes. Bigger than that by a lot. Really? By a lot? Yeah. By a lot. Like, um, they still can I go buy one of these yeah, cars? Absolutely. Okay. A Ford? Nope. No. Bigger. Like Chevy? I feel like maybe the Chevy is owned by this owned? company. 
by yeah is owned by this company and they make other things i who who owns chevy that makes other things beside like makes everything it might be about as big as daimler chrysler it's it's in the neighborhood of that i think it might be a little bit bigger who owns chevy chevrolet what do you, like what no does fiat own chevy no nope. chevy buick Chief. cadillac are all owned by one parent company general motors yes correct yeah uh, okay 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 would you say that's probably like the i mean i know that they don't specifically make cars anymore but that's like the big car manufacturer yeah yeah that's like the big american car manufacturer they've all kind of come together so yes this is a general motors car Okay, so send it to me i want to see what it looks like so it was a general motors touring car that would like go around and just like show future technologies and the word is in the title it's a future liner yeah this is so fuck okay so it does look like like you described like a fire truck truck. and the wiener mobile had a 1950s refrigerator baby yes also happened to be that also was a diner and a vw bus yeah Okay, cool. And what was in it? Just like a jet engine, it looks like? Power for the air again. It looks like it's a jet engine. Power for the air age, yeah. So there were 12 different future liners that each had a different display in them. And this was, I think, number three, which is the Power for the Air Age exhibit featuring a cutaway Allison J35 jet engine passed through the Joe Bortz collection in the 1980s. This is really cool. And like... The restoration of this one car, future liner number three, was a subject of two episodes of the Velocity Channel show Bitchin' Rides. It underwent a 19-month restoration intended to be the most authentic, complete, and period-correct restoration of all that had been attempted so far. It's now kept in Ankeny, Iowa. A-N-K-E-N-Y, Iowa. That's really cool. Uh, this is actually a really, really cool car, and it's very unique. It was actually kind of hard to guess. Like, I wasn't thinking of... Because I was in the in the Ford versus Ferrari mode, I was just thinking of, like, Ford and Fiat and things like that. I mean, GM, yeah, makes sense. So, But I didn't know that they ever made these. Like... We weren't around. But yeah. And I've never seen one of these before. I wonder if, like, my grandparents would have been like, I remember that thing. I mean, there were only you know? 12 of them ever. So, like, I think if you saw one of these, like, it's probably, like, it's part of history. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think that they probably, like, I bet they hit, like, a ton of cities. Because really, like, how hard is it to, like, drive through a bunch of cities, right? And there's nothing else to fucking do when they were in the 50s. True. Like, you'd be like, oh, this car pulled up. Like, let's go see. <laughs> you know, like. The car is in town, folks. Yeah, the car is in town. I mean, dude, we still get hype about the Wienermobile. How many of those are there? <laughs> like, even if there's two or three, like, we still see them. Well, there was the one you on Full House. Seen them. Do, do we? I've seen I've one. ever seen a Wienermobile. Not in real life? The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile? Oh, hell no. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. I've seen it, like, multiple times. Like, five or six. Wow. You, like, see it. It's, like, parked some places. Sometimes you see it when you're driving on the highway. Like, lose my fucking mind. It's, like, the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Must be hard to drive. I bet this thing was pretty, pretty fun to drive. Because you're just, like, captain, captain drive the bus, you know? Like, brum, 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 way up high. It'd be fun. <laughs> It's like you're driving a spaceship, but you're, you know, in the future, I guess, right? So That's what driving a Prius is like. With your, uh, forgetting to turn it off with your electric car mode. (laughs) That happened again today. You know. Hopefully you had gas this time. I did. I just forgot to turn it off. Uh, Well, Kara, thank you for joining us. Thank you for not dying in your car today. Thank you for joining us for Fast and Furious 6. We'll be back in two weeks, going back in time, but future forward in the timeline to Tokyo Drift. So now, Kara, this is going to be, and we can remind you on Facebook, but you're going to watch Tokyo Drift to the very end, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to watch the credit scene from 6. Okay. And then that's going to lead us directly into 7. And then we're no more switching. And then no more switching. Then it's 7, 8, Hobbs, and Shaw. But before we get to Tokyo Drift, Joe, you and I are going to take, so far, hopefully, we were still sort of iffy on it last time. We have no more clarity. Hopefully it can happen. This Friday, as we're recording, last Friday as it came out, Vinegar Syndrome yes. is putting out the Tammy and the T-Rex gore cut, 
And oh, so Black we're Friday. going That's to tonight's anniversary. Yeah. That's our anniversary. It's Black Friday. Hopefully. Happy anniversary. Hopefully. Thank you. I was going to say, hopefully it's my anniversary. Hopefully. Yeah, I hope so too. But I think Black Friday is one I'd remember. But Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Come back next week, dear listener, for Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut, which Kara already covered the regular cut over on Ooh. Brian's podcast, High School Slumber Party. We're going to cover the action, gruesome, R-rated gore cut. Uh, hopefully next week. If not, we'll have a backup thing in mind. And then come back in two weeks for Tokyo Drift, a movie that is going to be beautifully short. It's like, it's just, it's going to be such a change of pace, such a gear shift from the last few movies. Like four, five, six are kind of like a trilogy, a beautiful trilogy in and of themselves. Three is going to like, it's going to fuck our shit up in a great way. And I'm very excited to watch it now. Nice. So I hope you enjoy it. I mean, five and six are the pinnacle, uh, but three is a movie that Joe and I Love I very love, dearly. I love it a lot. Yeah, I think you'll like it. As this comes out last week, we put out you put out a wistful thinking episode of Jawbreaker. Yep. And do you want to give us exclusive? Do you know what you're doing next month, or is that too far away? Nope, I have no idea. Very cool. We'll go listen to Wistful Thinking, catch up with Kara and Jordan, and maybe Jordan will have some more questions for the past or for the future, for the future, for future episodes for Kara. But go listen to them over on Wistful Thinking. And for all things Too Fast Too Forever, you can go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com/slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at CageClub.me. Come back next week for hopefully. Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut in mm-hmm. two weeks for Tokyo Drift. Catch all 59 episodes of Too Fast, Too Forever on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you in a couple weeks, or see you next week, really. Well, Carol will be back in two weeks. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. I am Cara Gail And we'll see you next week right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. <laughs> <laughs>